0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: Kickstart your adventure now with a new good golf cart from Country Carts of Brookhaven. Good golf carts are assembled right here in Mississippi with the best features around. And best of all, they're street legal. Country Carts of Brookhaven, 401 Highway 51 South, phone 601 748 0454.
2: This is Gerard Gibbert, and thank you for listening to Middays here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the
0: headlines.
2: Welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. Gerard Gibbert, your host, along with Will East in for the vacationing Rhino. Morning,
3: Will. Good morning, Gerard.
2: So uh just a tad bit hoarse still, the lingering effects of yelling at the football game on uh Saturday night. It was a lot of uh, fun up there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We've had our sunglasses on at the end of the first quarter.
3: I saw Corey Hart that? on the uh the Jumbotron there.
2: Yeah. Because we wear our sunglasses at night, That's of course, right. as Corey says, a famous song. Uh, I think we set a world record. Was the uh, that was the idea, to set a world record, Guinness Book of World Records, uh, setting one for the largest crowd to wear sunglasses at night. The previous uh, number, of the previous record, six thousand, I believe, sixty-six hundred, something to that effect. I believe we. Easily busted that one, as they say. So that was a whole lot of fun. Really enjoyed that. Back here in the studio, day off yesterday, played in the Canopy Children's Solutions uh, golf tournament, a little fundraiser. First year they've had it. What a great turnout, great weather, a whole bunch of fun we had out there. Appreciate uh, Mandy filling in yesterday. Here with you all week. Don't ha- Don't think we have any remotes this week.
3: Uh, Not on this show, no. Not on this show. But Mandy did a great job yesterday. Uh, I was on with her, and uh, we had uh, Governor Rick Perry on, the former governor of Texas, um, former Secretary of Energy, some great insight on gas prices and the kind of energy dependence that we're at now versus independence that we were just a few months ago, really, uh, and then we talked to Liz Harrison from the Trump campaign. And then a really emotional interview. I was not expecting that. She talked to Clay Adcock, a Yazoo County farmer, talking about the Yazoo pumps and uh, the the need to get those pumps going. And I, he basically broke down when he started talking about um, his livelihood and the fact that uh, his son lost his house due to the, all the floods that we had um, back in 2019. And, wow. You know. He said it was something like six hundred people lost their houses. Of course, you lose, you know, your farm. You lose pretty much everything for that whole year, and then you got to kind of build back. And um, you know, he's worried about some some things there. And uh, it was a pretty emotional interview um, with Mr. Clay Adcock yesterday.
2: Well, it just feels like to me that whole deal is just stuck. Why, why does it feel that way? Like there's lots of talk. Seems like there's lots of pronouncements, even uh, proposals, expectations, but nothing seems to materialize. What's the deal with that?
3: I, you know, I don't know. It's, it, it's kind of complicated, and it involves the Army Corps of Engineers and the EPA, and when you start getting into all that bureaucracy, you throw a little politics in there. It's just a mess, and that's exactly what they have on their hands right now.
2: Well, you said the magical word, little politics thrown in the deal, but it just seems like it it just keeps getting pushed to the back burner. Uh, Meanwhile, the lives of real people, certainly here in the state of Mississippi, are impacted negatively by this situation, so... In the meantime, the the current event news right now that I'm looking at on the screen here in the studios that the jury, <clears throat> excuse me, is busy deliberating the charges against Kyle Rittenhouse.
3: What a spectacle that deal has been! It has. It, it you know it's you know you think about the big trials in your life. The the OJ trial is one that comes up for me. I, that was the first trial that I remember that was really huge. Um, I remember I was in I was in grade school when that happened, and they pulled us out of our classrooms to take us into a big auditorium so that we could watch the verdict when it came down. That's how big that was. This I don't think is quite on that level, but it, a lot of people are talking about this mainly because everything is live and on video. And you can kind of see the sausage being made with this thing. And everybody has an opinion about it. And it kind of depends on whether you're conservative or liberal. And, you know, how woke are you? You know, if you're on that side, you think that this guy, this kid is guilty. He needs to go to prison for the rest of his life. And politicians have pretty much said that. And the conservatives tend to view it as it was mainly self defense. And I think if you look at the actual facts of it and every person that has testified, it does seem like it is, it was self defense. Now, did he make some mistakes? Absolutely. But it's one of those kind of divisive trials that comes around, you know, every so often and everybody's got an opinion about it.
2: Well, the prosecution essentially argued that if you came to this area armed with a weapon, you're looking for trouble. That you that you weren't so that's not looked at as excuse me, a self-defense, that's looked at as, well, you're coming to stir up trouble, yeah. to start playing shoot them up The bigger, the other concern I have is that how much of the fact that you've got all these people on standby ready to protest, apparently, or you certainly sense that might happen, how does that influence the jury? How do you not let it influence the jury? Mm-hmm. Uh, because you can't, you can't not recognize it. You can't not see it. You know it's happening. And I believe it's the, the uh, judge instructed the jury, don't pay attention to that. Don't pay attention to Joe Biden and his statements. How do you not pay attention to that? How, how, how do you just tell a jury, well, erase that from your head? I don't see how that works. I don't either. Thomas and Greenwood... On the uh, ceasefire text lines, he says, he stated, he's talking about the judge, the judge stated, if you carry a gun, you lose the right to self-defense. That's right, Thomas. That is what he said. That sounds backwards to me. So if you carry a gun to defend yourself, you lose the right to defend yourself.
3: Somebody reconcile that. Yeah. I can't figure that out. The whole out. point of having a concealed carry gun or any gun uh, in your possession is for self-defense. Correct. And And Thomas says, I'm betting on a hung jury. Oh,
2: it's Binger stated that. That, I'm sorry, Thomas, you're right. It was the prosecution. I'm still talking about the judge and the judge's instructions. You're right. It was the prosecution that argued if you bring a gun that you lose your right to self-defense, which is insanity in my view. It was the judge who instructed the jury, pay no attention to Joe Biden and pay no attention to what you see in the news. Of course you're not supposed to. Pay no attention to the fact that, well, there might be riots across the the nation if you don't uh, uh, condemn this guy and find him uh, guilty. So that's not the way our justice system is supposed to work. And I also find it just crazy if we set if we set a precedent that when that as the prosecution argued that if you are armed you lose your right to self defense. I can't I can't even understand the logic behind that. And There's course, some
3: repercussions to that.
2: Yeah, I mean if that become if so if that becomes a, a precedent from a case law perspective, every time someone defends themselves with a weapon with a firearm. They would be guilty of some crime, right, and murder in this case, because they defended themselves. because Just because they showed up and were carrying a firearm. That just seems upside down. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, I I worry about the precedent that might set. Yeah, Randy Starkville, right. The prosecutor said that. I'm sorry, I, I corrected that, Randy. You're right. I was still thinking about the judge and his instructions to the jury. The prosecutor. Prosecution, who also brought a weapon. Oh,
4: did you see that?
2: So he brings a weapon and he's pointing it right in the courtroom with
3: his finger, with his finger on, the, on trigger.
2: the trigger, which I thought was against good weapon safety practices. Right, first trigger of all, safety. Pointing a weapon in any direction that might even be remotely close to another human is is completely in violation of best practices in handling a firearm. But then putting your finger on the trigger, I don't know, guys. I We will see, and how could you not, at this point, conclude that he acted in self-defense?
3: Every witness has, has said that. Even the, the witnesses that are now going on, like Rosenblum or whatever his name is, that's going on TV saying the complete opposite of what he said in the trial.
2: No, I agree. On the ceasefire text line, Rittenhouse isn't on trial. Self defense is on trial, well, that's unfortunately. A way it's a good it. it's a great point, I agree. Uh six oh one eight seven nine four three nine five, that's the number if you want to join the the conversation. So is this jury being sequestered? I'm I, don't, not, I don't think I they don't are I don't think
3: they are. So Which that is to me that's a little strange because usually in these big time trials where you have to have heard about this beforehand. I mean the fact yeah. that you could find twelve or however many it is yeah. people that hadn't heard about it, that's kind of crazy.
2: Uh, yeah, and not know not be familiar with Joe Biden's statement calling him a white supremacist. So here's the the possibility to think about if he's exonerated, if he's acquitted, will he sue the president for defamation? He has a that. case. I've seen lawyers say, yeah. How about that? Rittenhouse versus Joe Biden. <laughs> we'll take a break right here. We've got uh, we've got Brad White coming up, the executive director of MDOT at 11.05 today. Chris Green, law professor at Ole Miss at uh, 11.37, I think. I'm not sure of the time. Maybe 11.20. We'll check on that. We'll be back here on Midday. Stay with us.
10: Two
11: Mississippi museums, the Museum of Mississippi History and the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum, invites you to our Holiday Open House, Saturday, November 20th, and our Christmas by the Candlelight Tour on December 3rd. These events are open to the public and holiday trains begin running on December 1st. Bring the whole family and enjoy these events. While visiting, take a tour of Mississippi history through our two museums, located on North Street with free covered parking on North Jefferson Street. Come enjoy the holiday fun at two Mississippi museums
12: here with a special invitation to join us weekday morning 6 to 9 breaking news quick shots analysis all right here on super talk jackson 97.3 middays with gerard what what this
8: is so awesome
0: on super talk mississippi
2: back, everyone. Midday, super top Mississippi, a little deaf leopard uh, bumping us into this segment. Thanks for that, Will. So, just looking again at what uh, the judge, Bruce Schroeder, when he dismissed the jury, he said, the time has come now where the great burden of reaching a just, fair, and conscientious decision in this case will be placed totally with you. You will not be swayed by sympathy, passion, prejudice, or political beliefs. You will disregard any impressions that you may have, which you may believe are my opinion on the guilt or innocence of the defendant. That's what he told the jury. Basically said, don't listen to Biden, don't listen to the news media, don't listen to Trump. How do you do that? It's very difficult this day and age. It's uh, because of the pervasive nature of information and news, whether it be opinion, accurate, fact-based news, hyperbole, sizzle, clickbait, you can't ignore it. I don't see how you can escape it. I'm, and I'm not being critical of the judge. He's doing what he's supposed to do in instructing the jury, sending them back to render a verdict. I'm just suggesting that what he's calling for is pretty difficult to accomplish. But we shall see. But this photo of the prosecutor holding up the weapon and pointing it, I'm looking at it right now with his finger on it. That's just mind-boggling that that happened in a court in the United States. I I mean, I understand that uh, litigation attorneys, uh, they're actors. They use props. I get it. It just seems like that's totally inappropriate.
3: I guess he was trying to elicit a response from the jury or try to... Shocked them, basically. He also said, uh, Binger argued that Rittenhouse, quote, brought a gun to a fistfight by bringing the firearm to the protest, uh, which is a quote from uh, (laughs) Roadhouse, the Patrick Swayze. Oh, my gosh. I well, it, it wasn't as if they were all sitting around singing Kumbaya. Okay, that was not what was happening. They were, even one of the um, the victims was burning things to the ground. Right. Crickets he, on that, essentially. He, it, the, the prosecutor admitted that, and he tried to play it off as it wasn't a big thing, and I'll, I'll find the clip here in just a second and play it for you, but it, essentially he said all the guy did was just show up and set a trailer on fire, yeah. <laughs> and tip over a porta potty, and then start another fire, and then tip another trailer over to block the police. I mean, come on. That's literally what he sounded like. I'll find the clip for you.
2: Unbelievable. Re- Debbie in Hattiesburg reminds, remember the McCloskey couple defending their home from protesters up in, uh, in Chicago. or oh, St. Louis? Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, that's right. St. Louis. And believe he's running for office. I think he's announced, is, has mm-hmm. he not, that he's he going to seek a Senate seat, U.S. Senate seat. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right?
3: Yeah, but he's challenging McCaskill.
2: Well, she's out. She didn't run
3: okay. last time. I can't remember. Might be whoever
2: replaced. Well, you know what? It's Roy Blunt who's stepping down. That's it. And it's an open seat. I believe that's the deal. So, yeah, I, we this – is, this is what aggravates conservatives and those who – are fully on board with the Second Amendment and why I think it causes those of us who are supporters and advocates for the Second Amendment, why we get so bent out of shape at the left, because they always try to distort and manipulate and contrive the narrative to suit their ultimate goal which is to get rid of all the guns. They don't want anybody to own firearms, period. They don't want the Second Amendment. Let's be honest about it. That's just the honest truth, I believe. And when you see the sort of fanfare you've seen in this courtroom, how could you conclude anything else? So this guy shows up with a weapon and essentially... He was forced to use it; otherwise, it appeared he was eminently going to lose his own life. That's the whole deal. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. You know what about the question? Well, why were protesters and rioters there to start with? They were up to no good. This garbage narrative. Oh, it's all peaceful protesters, and but see. What what they rely on is the purpose of the protest. In this case, it is condoned by so many people on the left because, well, it's in the name of
3: racial justice. Yeah, I've got the clip.
11: He just happens to stumble into it. So what does he do that night? This is Rosenbaum. Oh, let me tell you all the awful things Joseph Rosenbaum did. He tipped over a porta potty that had no one in it. He swung a chain. He lit a metal garbage dumpster on fire. Oh, and there's this empty wooden flatbed trailer that they pulled out in the middle of the road, and they tipped it over to stop some bearcats, and
3: they lit it on fire.
11: Oh, and he said some bad words. He said the N-word.
3: He just- <laughs> That's all he did? Come on. And he even says it in a condescending tone like that's nothing. <laughs>
2: So, destroying property is something we should just accept
3: and ignore. That's the message there. By by the way, this is the same riot that the national media, Wikipedia, all the online sources that are not, quote, conservative, label as peaceful. Right. You look it up on, I looked this up on Wikipedia, it labels it as mostly peaceful protests. This is just one person out of
2: this whole group. Does the Wikipedia entry also define what constitutes an unpeaceful protest? (laughs) What threshold must you eclipse for it to be construed as not peaceful? When does that come into play? I, I don't think... So, what's bad is that you have a trial... And no matter the outcome, this will have tremendous, tremendous implications and, and result in consequences in this country. But in particular, if he is acquitted, if he is acquitted, and certainly it appears to me and any clear-eyed person that acquitting him is the right verdict and that the law is on his side, but yet we're likely to see massive outbreaks of protests across this country, which will involve more property destruction, more harm to people, likely, I pray not, harm, physical harm to individuals, even possible death. I, I pray not. But it also makes you wonder, does it not, What happened to the great uniter, Joe Biden? We were told we must elect Joe so he can repair the fracture in the country, in our society. He will bring healing to America. Return to normalcy. I don't see it, because they're still stuck on this idea, this concept that it was President Trump was the most divisive president in history, he divided the country. Are we any more united now? Nearly a year in the wake of Joe Biden taking office, I don't see it. And will he speak up? Let's say riots do break out, protests, fires, stuff we saw last year after the George Floyd incident. Will Joe Biden weigh in? Will he ask them to stand down? It remains to be seen. I say doesn't. I really think he doesn't. He's too worried about climate change and transgender rights and crap. We got some inflation data to talk about. And he signed the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill yesterday in a a big ceremony. We're going to talk about that. And the Build Back Better plan, what the status of that deal is. Lots more, too. Christopher Green, law professor up at Ole Miss, is going to talk about vaccine mandates and what this federal court lottery looks like, how that works. That's coming up at 12.05. 12.05. Stay
8: with us.
10: From the SeabrookPaint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint and coating needs, go to SeabrookPaint.com. Today, sunny skies, high near 76. Tonight, mostly clear, low around 56. Wednesday rolls in with mostly sunny conditions, high near 78. Wednesday evening, a slight chance of rain, low around 55. And for your Thursday, a 50-50 shot of showers, mostly cloudy, high near 67. This weather forecast has been brought to you by our friends at RJ's Outboard Sales and Service at 1208 Old Fannin Road. RJ's Outboard Sales and Service, your Yamaha outboard dealer in Brandon.
0: Muskelly Furniture, homegrown and locally owned since 1978.
4: We're committed to this community where our team members live and our customers are neighbors. It's also where a lot of our furniture is made. We carry more brands made in our state than any other retailer in the southeast.
13: Look for the Made in Mississippi tags throughout
14: our store. You'll find quality products that support local Mississippi companies.
15: At Muskelly's, we look forward to furnishing happiness for many years to come.
16: I'm Andy Davis, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith says the lack of a pumping station for the Yazoo backwater area harms the lives of Mississippians living in six Delta counties that are among the most rural and underserved in the nation. The area has experienced catastrophic flooding in nine of the past ten years. Clay Adcock said 2019 was the worst.
17: My farm,
15: uh, the 4,000 acres in the Holly Bluff area, was entirely flooded, and so I had no crops and no soil of income on those
16: acres. Hyde-Smith secured more than $20 million for the pumps earlier this year. She's concerned about a letter Congressman Thompson wrote to the EPA administrator in August asking the agency to dig into their decision to reverse a past veto of the Yazoo Pumps project during the Trump administration.
13: He has thrown a hand grenade here. I think that we're going to maneuver around it because we've had to maneuver around several
16: things that he's created. For Super Talk Mississippi News, I'm Andy Davis.
15: Hey, it's Richard Cross from Sports Talk Mississippi, and I want to tell you about something new on the show. You know how much we love to grill and how much we love to talk about it. You're the exact same way. And so are our friends at Polk's Meat. So now every Friday at 520, we'll have some fun with Food Fridays presented by Polk's Meat. We'll talk about our favorite way to grill their delicious Polk's Original, Polk's Cajun, and Polk's Garlic and Green Onion Sausages, as well as other barbecue favorites. It's Food Fridays at 520. No buts about it, folks. Picky people pick Polk's.
18: It's time for
0: Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: In Sturgis, Michigan, it is $2.89 a gallon. I guess that's better than in California. What is the Grand Home plan to increase oil production in America?
7: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that is hilarious.
8: By his face, he was new in the place There at the bar all alone He was trying to look free But it was easy to see He left somebody at home He was trying his luck And looking for love He was scared and bored at his show So I bought him a beer And said there's nothing to fear Just take some advice from a pro." I said the
3: name of the game is cheap. Oh, it's it's risky and ho, ho, ho. Was that Santa Claus or the energy secretary?
19: <laughs>
3: <laughs> she oh, laughed gosh. so loud. I did not enhance that whatsoever. That was her laughter at the cost of what you pay at the pump, my friends. Yeah. Uh, we,
2: we actually played that. It's good we played it again because we need to get that out there.
3: This is how they think. But have you been in a grocery store lately, Will? So it's interesting you say that my wife and I are planning our Thanksgiving uh, meal. And so she was making a list of everything. And she was going through trying to find some coupons just to save a little bit of money. And
8: whoo.
3: Right. The cost is through. Not just everybody concentrates on the turkey. It's everything else. Yeah everything else yeah I
2: uh, I saw the charge at the grocery store to my uh, my bank account my wife uses debit card and I said hey we got people coming over what's the deal here <laughs> I just couldn't believe how much it was I I think this despite the best efforts from the administration, spin this whole thing of inflation. It's transitory. Uh, The Build Back Better plan is, is actually going to lower or reduce combat arrest inflation, if you will. I don't think it's working. I honestly don't think that the messaging is working. When you look at polls, I don't know if you've seen this, but ABC, Washington Post, not exactly what you would consider a bastion of conservatism. And they've been they've been polling folks for a long time. They're they're pretty pretty entrenched in the polling business. Well they come out with some polls that show that the Republican Party has a double digit lead in a generic poll, who would you support, going into the midterms? I don't know that we've ever seen that before. So Republicans are suggesting they may be able to pick up as many as 60 to 70 seats, which would be, as Barack Obama described the 2010 midterms, a
3: shellacking. And if you look at the exit polls from the 2020 election, a lot of people agreed with the policies of the Republicans. Right. They just didn't agree with Trump. That's right. It was a, it was more a person. And that's why you saw a lot of Republican gains in the House. Right. But you lost the presidency.
2: That's, that's exactly right. They didn't line up. Normally they do, and mm-hmm. they didn't here. So 70%... In, the, in this Washington Post-ABC poll say the economy is in bad shape, up from 58% last spring. Now, help me out here. You know, I'm just a simple person when it comes to this kind of stuff. 50, 58% in the spring, 78% here four or five months later. I believe that represents <laughs> yeah. a decrease in satisfaction and an increase in frustration with economic conditions under this president. About half, according to the poll, blame the president directly for inflation, which is the worst it's been in 31 years. His approval for handling the economy, again, according to this ABC News Washington Post poll, is down to 39%. That's six points lower than September 13 points lower than it was in the spring. So the trends are clearly going in the wrong direction for this president because despite Jen Psaki and Biden and Harris and the whole Democrat Party telling us that things are great, people aren't seeing it that way because they are experiencing it and witnessing it firsthand. And they're not buying your garbage. So, in a in a um, essentially in a generic poll, it was fifty one percent of registered voters said they support the Republican candidate in their congressional district. Forty one percent say the Democrat. That's by by the way the biggest lead at this point leading up to the midterms. Now less than a year away, hard to believe. The biggest. Delta in lead for the Republicans since 1981. Wow. So if folks don't think that it's about the economy, stupid, wasn't that James Carville's famous line during Mm -hmm. the Clinton era? I think they're sadly mistaken. I, again, I've talked so much about the kitchen table issues. I don't think it's climate change at the
3: kitchen table. No, I, I don't think it is. And I, I keep thinking this, Gerard, that the powers that be in the, especially in the Democratic Party, and maybe the Republicans too, but especially the Democratic Party right now, they have an echo chamber going on. No question. What you have is the leadership is. They're on Twitter, essentially, and they're seeing that when they tweet about climate change or racial injustice, equity, all that stuff, equality, they get a lot of retweets. And they think, man, you know what? That is what people are interested in. And they're they're not following their opponents. They're following their friends, the journalists, media people, the politicians that agree with them. And so those, it's an echo chamber, meaning that you say something and it echoes back and forth. And I think that's really what's driving the policies of these Democrats versus looking at what the average American, who's not on Twitter, is seeing every
2: day. So I think you're right. I think you're on to something there. So you, what you're suggesting is that it's policy by social media? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, I, I think what you just described, in all of its splendor, is being out of touch with reality. Exactly. We talk about that coming out of politicians all the time. So, just to let our audience know, to add to the misery, the President is now proposing a 20-year drilling ban for oil and gas in the areas in and surrounding the Chaco Canyon in New Mexico. So it's clear that the goal is to force every single American to refrain from consuming fossil fuels, period. That is the goal, whether... We have alternative sources that are affordable and practical and plentiful and available and accessible. That doesn't matter. By God, this is our goal. We're committed to this and we're forcing it on you. Just sit in a corner and like it. Unbelievable. And so the president, I caught this on social media. Give me a second. This is his statement. 17 Nobel Prize-winning economists said that Bill Back Better will ease longer-term inflationary pressures and lower costs for American families. We can get this done. That's just 22 hours ago he posted that. Now, keep in, fo- in mind, folks, these same Nobel Prize-winning economists also said if we elect President Trump, economic bedlam catastrophic economic events will break out the stock market will crash millions of jobs will be lost it, you won't be able to do squat economically that's what these same people predicted I say they're in an ivory tower and don't know squat I told you about my great economics professor from old Miss that used to walk in the classroom every day and pull his money clip out, and he'd say, boo, shoes, and buttermilk. That's what it's all about. And this guy had a Ph.D. in economics. These idiots, go back to your damn classroom, except him. He was fantastic. He was Wait, wait right. what was it? Boo? Boo, shoes, and buttermilk. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Isn't that great? I'm with him. <laughs> we'll take a break right here on middays. We got a little more talk. Don't forget at 11.05, Brad White, the executive director of MDOT, and Chris Green, law professor at Ole Miss at, at 1205. Stay with us.
8: My love, my love and my love, yeah.
10: Hey, this is Bob, and if you're like me, you like dealing with local people. Majestic Metals was founded in Mississippi in 1954 and are headquartered right in Gluckstadt. For complete metal building systems and steel roofing and siding, call the hometown folks, Majestic Metals, 800-647-8540 or online at majesticmetalsinc.com.
14: Innovative Health Clinic in Ridgeland is now offering monoclonal antibody treatments. Monoclonal antibody therapy offers a way to help reduce and prevent severe symptoms in COVID positive patients and for those who have been in close contact with someone who has tested positive. Most insurance providers will cover the cost. If you are uninsured, you may be eligible for reimbursement through the federal government. To find out if you are eligible for this treatment option, call Innovative Health Clinic today, 601-944-5585.
9: You could hardly rub two nickels together, but you got married anyway. Because love can't wait. She believed in you when no one else would. Brings joy into your life like only she could. Today, she is your only need. I'm John Ravenstein. And I'm Corey Ravenstein. This Christmas, tell her with a gift of something truly precious from Juniker Jewelry Company. We are Mississippi's direct diamond importer with more ways to say I love you this Christmas than any place else. Ten times the selection of average jewelry stores. From case after case of designer gold, gorgeous colored gemstones, couture pieces, and our famous estate collections. To diamond classics like jenniker's diamond stud earrings, diamond bracelets, and pendants. Maybe it's that larger. Two, three or four-carat diamond she's always dreamed of. It's right here, right now, this Christmas at Junikers. Because love can't wait.
0: Juniker Jewelry Company, 1485 Highland Colony Parkway in Madison and JunikerJewelry.com, Mississippi's direct diamond
4: importer stop david cox here omar financial do you have a 401k ira retirement or cd coming due we can help with market-like returns and zero risk call david cox 957-3841 957-3841 now
10: this is Morning Agri-Market Report for the Mississippi Agri-News Network. I'm Bob Sullender. Stocks are trading up this morning. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 145 to 36,233. The NASDAQ is up 80 to 15,934. And the S&P 500 is up 21 to 4704. From the New York Cotton Exchange, March Cotton is up 36 to 115. The May Cotton is up 54 to 113.56. At the Chicago Board of Trade, January soybeans are down 2 to 12.55 and a quarter a bushel. March soybeans are down 1 and a three-quarters. To twelve sixty-seven a bushel. December corn is down four and three quarters to five seventy-one and three quarters a bushel. March corn is down five to five seventy-nine a bushel. At the Mercantile, February live cattle are up five to one thirty-six thirty-seven. April live cattle are up seventeen cents to one forty-fifteen. January live feeders are up sixty cents to one fifty-nine oh seven. And March live feeders are up eighty-two cents to one sixty-seventy. For the Mississippi AgriNews Network, I'm Bob Sullender.
17: Are you a landlord whose renters can't pay due to COVID? Don't evict. Ramp up. Ramp is the Rental Assistance for Mississippians program administered by the Mississippi Home Corporation. If you have tenants who need help paying past due and future rent or utilities where they're currently renting from you, ramp may be just what you both need. So don't evict. Learn more at ms-ramp.com and ramp up now.
20: This isn't what gets a cotton grower up. What gets a cotton grower up isn't made of plastic-covered electronics. It's made of heart, determination, the calling that doesn't need a buzzer. Because you know early is the key to success. Stoneville Cotton knows, too.
10: It gets out of the ground earlier and establishes a healthy stand quicker. So it's less vulnerable to
21: weeds, weather, and insects. For a stronger finish, own the early with Stoneville Cotton. BASF. We create chemistry. Always read and follow label directions.
0: Arm yourself with everything you need to take on your day. Wake up with Gallo tomorrow on 97.3 FM. Super Talk Mississippi. Come on. Come on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert.
12: All right. We are
0: back. On Super Talk Mississippi.
16: More people are seeing
14: that, yeah, affordable childcare is a big deal.
16: More parents are seeing the value of educators when they had to bring their kids. Up
8: and say, we're not paying them nearly enough. <laughs>
2: in the wide world of sports was that? With Kamala there.
3: I don't even know what the hell she was saying. (laughs) (laughs) Laughing about how parents are struggling with child care. You know. Out of, I mean, just so out of touch, Gerard.
2: This whole deal, and we've talked about it so many times, a, a, a marquee feature of the Build Back Better plan is to eliminate child poverty. That's the way they sell it. And we're gonna do that by doing what? Sending them money. That's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna combat and eradicate. So it's like it's just redistribution. It's just there's no there's nothing innovative, creative, novel, impressive about a policy that says just take it out of this group's pockets and put it in this group's that's not eliminating squat we've been doing that for 60 years and it we still have it maybe we ought to try something different but that's what they're hanging their hat on transformational so yeah i guess you could say I have more money if somebody just puts it in my bank account. I mean, that's essentially what this is. There's nothing about about lifting people up so that they take advantage of the tremendous opportunities that our capitalistic economy affords. Now, they will say, well, if we pay for all the pre-K, pre-K education, pay for child care, and all that sort of stuff, I'm just not buying it. Yeah. That's just welfare. I'm just going to call it what it is. It is welfare. That's what it is. I am i don't want any child in this country to be impoverished. I don't want any family to be. That's not the issue. The issue is how best to address that. Is it by redistribution through government, by just putting money in people's bank accounts, which is what this Build Back Better plan does, or are there other policies that could be advanced to accomplish that goal, that outcome? Meanwhile, Americans are really struggling, struggling with these inflationary pressures. You and I just talked about it. Here's what an MSNBC anchor Stephanie Rule, said about it. And
10: Stephanie joins me now live. Steph, it's great to see you. As you say, inflation's over 6%, numbers we haven't seen in more than 30 years. So. How much higher can these prices go, and when do you see them coming down?
13: Well, listen, Willie, nobody knows exactly when they're going down, but you have to put all this in perspective. This inflation is not in isolation, and the government predicted it was going to be a challenging recovery, recovery all tied to COVID. So it's why you see things like that expanded child tax credit. You've got the families of over 60 million kids on average getting $430 a month. For people on fixed incomes, older people on Social Security, they're getting those fixed payments adjusted next year up 5.9% for inflation. And the dirty little secret here, Willie, while nobody likes to pay more, On average, we have the money to do so. Household savings hit a record high over the pandemic. We didn't really have anywhere to go out and spend. And as we said a moment ago, we're expecting retail sales this holiday season to break records for those who own their homes. The value of our homes are up. And while the stock market isn't the economy, you got over half of American households with some investment in the markets, and the markets have hit record highs. So we need to put all of this in perspective. This time last year, when you and I were talking Willy, nobody had a vaccine. Now 200 million Americans do, and we're seeing this push of demand, and that's pushing up pricing.
3: Got that, folks? Oh, so you got you got the money. That's essentially what <laughs> she said. You got the money, so just spend it. Dirty little secret. The stuff's costing more, but you got the money. You you were saving money during the pandemic, and we're oh, by the way, we're giving you more money.
2: I'm gonna tell you something that really really grinds my gears: the reference to the stock market. Because every time Donald Trump would laud crossing a new threshold in the Dow Jones and setting a record, the left would go nuts. The stock market is not normal Americans. People don't have an investment in the stock market. Only the rich people are in the stock market. And what did she just do? Reference the stock market. Freaking hypocrite can't understand how someone educated and analytical can still laugh off climate change in 2021 that's a text from the friendly california commie i'm going to address that later on the program we're not laughing off climate change we're laughing off the lies about it the hypocrisy the duplicity we'll take a break and come right back news coming your way brad white joins us after that stay with us
15: News. I'm Chris Foster. A jury in Kenosha, Wisconsin, is deliberating the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Members the jury, it is uh, for you uh, to determine whether the defendant is guilty or not guilty of each of the offenses charged. Judge Bruce Schroeder. Rittenhouse claims he shot three people in self-defense during protests last year. Two died. Prosecutors say he was the aggressor. The jury of 12 was chosen at random this morning from the 18 people who heard the evidence. The other six are alternates. NASA's Office of Inspector General Internal Watchdog recommends waiting until after 2025 to send astronauts back to the moon. Last week, the timetable was revised
0: from late 2024 to 2025 for the Artemis program to land a crew on the moon. But the OIG's report concluded significant challenges existed, including technical risks, a development schedule deemed unrealistic, and
15: inaccurate cost projections. Fox's Grinnell Scott. America's listening to Fox News.
14: I'm Lauren McGraw with Gotta Go. I'm here to help you with anywhere you might need a bathroom. Because when you gotta go, you gotta go. Please call us at 601-879-3969 or look us up, gottagorentals.com.
1: Join Middays with Gerard Gibbert, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., sponsored by The Road, your destination for fine men's clothing.
16: the new degree of comfort. I'm Andy Davis, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Attorney General Lynn Fitch has joined a coalition of 12 states in filing a lawsuit against the third of what Fitch called President Biden's vastly overreaching vaccine mandates. The mandate published by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services on November 5th would impact 17 million health care workers, forcing them to be vaccinated by January 4th or find a new job. Fitch said for no other reason than the president's desire to check the box on universal vaccination, these healthcare care heroes are being forced to choose between vaccination and their jobs. And Friday, the Lee County Sheriff's Department received a tip from the FBI regarding a possible threat to a Lee County church. An investigation revealed an individual made a comment on social media saying that he was planning a mass murder at his church the next Sunday. 20-year-old Ryan Evans of Saltillo has been taken into custody and charged with making a terrorist threat. Bond was set at $100,000. I'm Eddie Davis.
5: On December the 3rd, I tested positive for covid I was to the point where I really couldn't even walk.
17: She was admitted to the Tupelo Hospital. That's where she remained for 82 days.
5: That was the first time they told Reggie he could come see me.
17: I nearly lost my
18: wife, I mean, that's real. There ain't no false information, and I don't want to see you lose
3: a loved one.
7: Sponsored by Delta Health Alliance. Go to getyourshotms.org.
17: My son is not some statistic. My daughter's not a headline. My girl, she's not someone's agenda. What he, what she is, is irreplaceable. COVID hospitalizations of young people have tripled since the start of summer. So I talked to my daughter's doctor about COVID vaccines.
7: She said they're highly effective in preventing hospitalizations and deaths, even from the Delta variant. We can do this. Find vaccines near you at vaccines.gov. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.
16: As we approach Thanksgiving, many are giving thanks to a capital city church. The Word Center has paid more than $1.4 million in medical debt for people across the state. The Medical Debt Forgiveness Initiative began several months ago and has helped nearly a 1,000 individuals in their time of need. And 86% of us have heard about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, but only 16% have personally invested in, traded, or otherwise used one. Political analyst Mitch Tyner said, when you consider that only half of us invest in the stock market, the numbers aren't that surprising.
6: Although there's been a big
15: uptick in those participating because uh, some of the ETFs have been approved, and so there's some institutional investing going on now.
16: Government leaders and others are debating regulation, and the Biden administration is trying to combat ransomware by cracking down on cryptocurrency payments. China recently banned such transactions, but El Salvador became the first country to to declare Bitcoin as a legal tender. I'm Andy Davis.
3: Hey, y'all. Let's take some pride and get it together for Mississippi. Many of our highways and roads are just covered in litter. Put trash in its proper place. And if you drive a truck, remember, trash blows. Be sure to secure your load. Please do your part to keep Mississippi beautiful. Learn more at keepmsbeautiful.org. That's keepmsbeautiful.org. Remember, always protect the road. Secure your load.
2: Welcome back, everyone. Middays, Gerard and Will East in the studio today. And joining us now also in the studio, Brad White, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Department of Transportation. Brad, thanks for coming in today. Appreciate Thank you it. Thank for having me. It's yeah, to be with you. All right. So I think what a lot of folks uh, around the state uh, keep seeing and hearing is just being showered with money from the federal <laughs> government And a fair amount of that is earmarked or designated specifically for use in what you guys do at MDOT. So uh, give us an update on that. What what does all that mean?
20: Yeah, well, the good news is, as we've stated in previous shows, you know, uh, our state has a lot of needs out there to be met in the way of rehabilitation of our existing system as well as uh, projects that have been identified in the way of capacity projects to be built to help alleviate traffic in areas where uh, the volume is just exceeded the capacity that that roadway may have. So the the reauthorization of these funds and and the plush-up of these funds will come at a good time to help us better address the needs of the state. But, you know, we've had, uh, I guess it's three different economic stimulus packages that have come through that have transferred money from the federal government to the states to be doled out in a way of uh, trying to stir up economic growth or help individuals deal with the effects of COVID. Mm-hmm. And so I think that by virtue of of those packages that have gone out, uh, there's been a misunderstanding where some have thought that this would be a similar type package, where when they would hear the figure $3.3 billion over five years for roads uh, and bridges – that that was going to be some other type of federal program that would send money that would sit in an account and then be appropriated out uh, for certain projects. In reality, what this is is what I think I would classify uh, the Investment and Jobs Act as a uh, omnibus bill of sorts that took the various authorization acts, you know, that helps fund different modes of transportation, highways, all that, under one umbrella reauthorize the expenditure of those funds from these federal agencies okay. and then added to it a little more money. Okay. And to, to give you an example of that, we we are going to have over five years the $3.3 billion that has been mentioned, but we were already anticipating based on the last five-year authorization at least to two, about $2.6 billion of that. So we are getting a little extra money that will be put to good use, but all of this are funds that will will be run through the existing programs and categories and the formulas that are used through federal highway to administer all of the dollars so uh, like anything that comes from the federal government you know it's got different strings uh, attached to it so these programs are directed to things like uh, that have very specific scopes of work uh, classifications of routes they're directed uh, to areas with certain population uh, thresholds. They have performance targets on them. Uh, many of whom, if those performance targets go unmet, come with pretty hefty uh, penalties that are levied. So the manner in which the funds are spent uh, do not, they don't give us a whole lot of flexibility. Uh, so this is going to be somewhat different from just a package of or a pot of money, so to speak, that would come down just to be kind of spent however we would cherry okay. pick and spend, if that makes sense. So they get down to that level of granularity on mm-hmm. these kind of funds. Yeah. Hmm. Normally, you know, MDOT's budget for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so has been pretty level, of about $1.2 billion, with a little better than half of that being federal money. Right. Right. Uh, and I think if you followed like a, a kind of a flow chart of where the money goes, the commissioners end up with about four hundred million that they would have discretion over okay. how it's spent. But even that four hundred million is discretion within certain categories. Okay. I mean, you have your paving needs, you have your capacity needs, you have your bridge needs, you have your safety needs, you have other uh, geometric improvements like uh Passing lanes or climbing lanes, things like that, that can be put in to try to improve, improve the uh, flow of traffic. All of which serve in their own certain area, and, and this money is spent in, you know, in that okay. manner. If okay. That, okay. If
2: yeah. You so there's there's buckets essentially that are designated for the amount that the commissioners have discretion over, and then they decide within those specific buckets on specific projects. I guess. Right.
20: And the other good thing, in my opinion, it's a good thing is by using all of these formulas, it's, it's pretty data-driven. For example, uh, even with the capacity projects, the legislature created the Vision 21 law where in order for a project to be listed yeah. uh, as a capacity project, it has to meet certain criteria where, in an effort to try to remove the politics from it. The same way in choosing where we rehabilitate uh, pavement, it, it, there's a, a universal formula that DOTs use where we're able to determine when the pavement's in need of being uh, repaired before it starts mm. getting into a declining state and trying mm-hmm. to do that. Where our problem has been is we've had more needs and where we've had funds uh, to try to adequately address them. Uh, in the way of rehabilitation, I think it's about a $400 million a year gap that we have in our spending on bridges. It's about a $50 million a year gap. So the extra money we'll get here will help. But I also would be remiss if I didn't point out that this is something our legislature has recognized, and through two different programs, they've helped supplement uh, our budget. One is Emergency Road and Bridge Program, which have helped primarily local governments uh, find the resources to deal with some of the uh, crisis bridges and, and roadways on on their systems. Uh, I think it was two hundred and fifty million that the legislature put in through a bond bill in the first year, ninety million in the second year to go to that, which is all data driven and uh, uh, competitive in nature and how it's spent. Uh, the lottery fund, which you're familiar with, uh, has been used, uh, to rehabilitate the two lane highways around the state that mm-hmm. sometimes, due to the other formulas, get kind of secondary treatment maybe behind the, the uh, larger highways. Mm-hmm. We've had, I think, an FY20 70 million, FY21, we reached 80. And just in the first four months of this uh, fiscal year, we're spending $44 million of lottery funds with a yep. total of about 2,000 lane miles that have been rehabilitated around the state just in those two and a half fiscal years. Hmm. So that's all of what I would say is a step in the right direction that the legislature has taken in funding and uh, uh, providing the resources needed. Uh, And hopefully, uh, with the wisdom being used in the spending of this extra funds that will come through these normal formulas, we'll be able to catch up even more.
2: Yeah. So uh, I think there's a lot of confusion, it's fair to say, Brad, that uh, just by the public in general of how DOTD is funded, that that's a separate fund from the general fund, uh, from a budgetary perspective and a spending and accounting perspective. And most of its revenue comes from, from fuel taxes and other fees and so forth that are designated specifically for that fund.
20: Yeah, with the exception of the lottery fund, right. it's, it's all uh, a special fund agency. Yeah. It's probably the largest special fund agency in the state, right. primarily from fuel tax. Uh, that's been level now for, for 30 years, but we've got a bigger system uh, and a more aging system than we've had uh, before so finding ways to uh, free up revenue uh, to adequately address the needs of our transportation system is is one of the big challenges that we have obviously one way is to try to make efficiency measures to free up money yeah. and the other way is trying to find other ways to fund it like the lottery yeah. uh, money that's um, coming in another a third way is in times past and I'm, the, the current legislature, I'm not criticizing, but in years past when the state would have lean years and they wanted to fund certain things, MDOT was a, viewed as a big place they could go and, and carve out money. So as a result of that, we have uh, appropriations that are taken out of the, our money to fund other state agencies in the carrying out of their duties, which have very little to do with transportation. So we've had some meaningful conversations, I believe, with the legislative leadership in trying to rectify that as well, which yeah. might can free up more money and make sure that what fuel tax we are collecting is truly getting to where it's supposed to go.
2: Yeah. Last I checked, I think we were third from the lowest in terms of state of the 50 states in terms of fuel tax. I don't yeah. know if you've looked at that. We're, we're down there. We're
20: lower than the surrounding states. Yeah. You know, but, I mean, right now, I mean, gas is through the roof. I think that this is a, would be a horrible time to sure. try to have that discussion of raising the fuel tax. And I think, you know, speaking from my own philosophical views, our, our government has gotten into the business of funding so much that it is not, they're not really core functions of government that the core functions of government have, have suffered as a result. Totally agree. Sean Tindall about the problems. He's having it. Uh, the Crime Lab, or Burl Kane, with hiring people to work at parchment. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is holding here. But our number one challenge that we have at DOT is not the, the funding, it's uh, being able to recruit and retain staff. When the 87 four-lane program was passed 30-something years ago, MDOT had the capable staff then, and the number of staff I mean by that. That a lot of the pre-construction that was put in work that was put in to building those highways was done in-house. And we no longer have the number of employees and the capability of doing that type of work. Okay. And so we're paying out the wazoo to consultants to do about mm-hmm. three times more of what we could do in the house. Which is more expensive. So towards, hopefully yeah. we'll have the flexibility to get some pay raises for our staff and and build back up from that standpoint. In other words, the money does us no good.
2: You got time to hang around? Sure. We got another segment. We've got Brad White, the executive director of the Mississippi Department of Transportation. Middays will come right back.
8: Ain't got no cigarettes Two hours of pushing broom i eight by twelve four bit broom I'm a man of means by no
19: means King of the road King of the road
8: King of the road
3: tune in
17: this saturday morning from 8 till 10 for weekend gardening where garden mama nelly neal will tackle all your gardening questions weekend gardening brought to you in part by the tractor store your
18: local mahindra dealer the tractor store highway 49 south in richland i'm Rex baker with gateway rescue mission people are angry these days but you don't have to be let's get 2021 started right because somebody out there needs your help at Gateway Rescue Mission, your donation can provide a meal. Your prayer can unlock the power of God to change your life. If we spend more time praying and less time fussing, we can help some people. Go to gatewaymission.org, make a donation, and help change your life today.
6: if an insurer tries to steer you somewhere else, tell them you want the shop that's certified by the manufacturer of the car you drive. We're located in Clinton and Richland, or online at ClintonBodyShop.com.
15: am Richard Cross. Be sure to catch Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for the best sports coverage right here in the Magnolia State, every day from 3 until 6, right here on Super Talk Jackson 97.3.
0: And now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Now, now the real part.
8: Dino Mike!
0: On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi I won't get up in, the morning. in the studio. Gerard and Will, also joining us, Brad White, Executive Director of Mississippi Department of Transportation. So, Brad, you and I were talking off air. We've got uh, a big chunk of money coming down from the so-called infrastructure bill. That package signed into law by the president yesterday. A total of one point two trillion dollars. And it, it was certainly sold as something that is supposed to repair uh, the nation's uh, roads and bridges. And and that would seem like – and there's also a big chunk of that for broadband infrastructure and some other things. But I think when most Americans, when they hear this, this concept, this term infrastructure, that's what they think about – roads, bridges, transportation. Mm-hmm. Airports, I know that's uh, revitalizing airports and certainly – Control towers and ramps and runways and stuff like that, uh, landing systems, all that's included in it as well. That seems like that's needed. But help us out, help us understand, Brad. Of this 1.2 trillion, it looks like Mississippi's scheduled to get about 4.2, 4.3. Depends on whose report you read on that mm. billion. What does that look like in terms of the money that will flow to MDOT and how you can spend it?
20: Well, we're waiting on some of those rules to be promulgated and, yeah. and received, but, uh, the various roads, uh, the various modes of transportation, public transit will receive a lot of that money. Yep. Yeah. Uh, my impression is it will run through its normal programs that the feds have set up and will be used for the replacement of old buses and things like that that have been used in the, in, in the mission of the public transit. Uh, aeronautics in much the same way. Uh, rails and, uh, ports and waterways, we don't necessarily deal in federal money. So we're still waiting to kind of see what that's going to look like uh, in the way of trying to support those modes of transportation, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to see because I think that, you know, the more we beef up our rail system, I mean, that could help take goods off of the highways, which lessens the stress of the highways, which lessen the need for maintenance money that we need there. So I, I'm glad that there is... Uh, attention being given to all the different modes of transportation. We're just kind of waiting on seeing what the rules of the game will be and how we can best put that uh, to use around broadband, stuff like that, we're not a part of. Yeah. Uh, so I can't speak to that. Uh, and then, like we were saying in the previous uh, segment, all of the highway money, the uh, bridge money, uh, ferry boats, for whatever reasons, st- that goes through uh, federal highway, and then there was some money for electric vehicles, charging stations, and yeah. things like that. That will be all going through federal highway and through the various categories that they have. And there will be some new programs that we're still waiting to hear from federal highway on what that will look like and and how it can be uh, spent. You know, I, I appeared before the Senate Transportation Committee here a week or so ago. And uh, last week I guess it was and I guess the main um, thing that I'm hopeful that we're communicating adequately to our leaders are that you know let's not get our spending plan together just yet because we've got to find out where the money is gonna land how it can be spent and then hopefully use the uh, result of the data driven research and um, that the capable staff of the department has done to show us where our needs are and then put the money where our where it makes the best sense and where the taxpayers will get the best uh use out of it. So those are all that's all information we're trying to put together now, uh but we're working hand in glove with our legislative leadership and the commission as well as the governor and trying to be sure that we're working in tandem yeah. uh, to be sure the taxpayers get uh, the best they can. This is going to result on the highway portion uh, about one hundred and thirty five million a year over five million uh, over five years uh, for that by the time you add the bridges and the other stuff in it you 're looking at about one hundred and sixty five million a year. Uh, the legislative leadership has already been very cooperative of th- all of these federal dollars are match we have to put up state money to match it. Uh, both the speaker and the lieutenant governor have indicated that they wanted to help us with uh, some of the state surplus and mm-hmm. being able to make that match. Uh, because without that, if we had to make the match without any assistance for them, then it would have to go into some service that we're providing, whether that be the mowing or something like that, would have to suffer from it. I it got because you. that's how tight our budget uh, is running. So I feel very good about uh, the resources that we're going to be given. I feel very good about the relationships we have now and trying to sit around the table and and apply some wisdom and common sense to be sure that this what could be a one-time thing, uh, we get the biggest bang for our buck for the taxpayers.
2: You know something that comes up that's that's been contested quite a bit in our states. This this subject of the fuel tax and w- what's always been confusing, I think, <coughs> for a lot of Mississippians, Brad, is that there are some who say our road and bridge infrastructure is is terrible and is in desperate need of repair, uh, and we and we also are in need of of new road and bridge infrastructure. And then there are those who say, no, our roads and bridges are uh, rank amongst the, the best in the country. Therefore, we don't need to raise any taxes to, to address that. And so I'm not asking you the question uh, – I wouldn't do that – about your, your position on uh, fuel taxes, but just to report what is the condition from your perspective – of our infrastructure, of our road and bridge infrastructure. I I
20: think our staff uh, has done a phenomenal job in protecting the system the best we can with the resources we have. As I mentioned before, if you come through and you use this this what I call a universal formula of grading pavement and determining when we need to start rehabilitating things in order to maintain a good system, what classifies as good across the board. We're running at a $400 million a year gap and okay. being able to address the needs that way. On bridges, it's a $50 million a year gap. B- to show you the cost of materials, and this is another thing I don't think people understand, is how much stuff costs. Yeah. $50 million a year is the gap we have on our bridges on the state system. Only 2% of our bridges are classified as in poor condition. So that shows you the expensive nature of of what it takes to do that so you know we we do i I do think there's a need for a meaningful conversation and how do we uh provide for a transportation system uh i don't think raising a fuel tax is is the only place that we should look i think being able to you know in congress i mean they've not raised a fuel tax either they've supplemented the highway trust fund with general fund appropriations right uh, I do think it's a core function of government. I do think it's something our leaders should try to uh, make sure that we're maintaining and investing in in an appropriate uh, way. But I think everything's on the table as far as uh, discussing that. But talking about the fuel tax, in this bill alone, there's money going to trying to increase the usage of electric vehicles. Well, the more electric vehicles become a thing in our country, the less the fuel tax is going to be because they're not going to be paying the fuel tax. So either way you you carve this thing we've got to have a meaningful conversation about how do we want to fund this to make sure that we protect the interest of the state now i will say another thing and this is just my personal opinion but when you look at the 87 four-lane program it was a very pivotal piece of legislation that was needed and it was very good but you know politics was all in it and naming what four-lane what highways were four-lane as a result we're maintaining some four-lane highways that have yet to meet the criteria in Division 21 to be four-lane. Mm. So that's more of a need to let the professionals you know, determine how the money needs to be spent and where to, where to put it where the taxpayers get the best use out of it to be sure that, that uh, we're putting the money where it needs to be and being wise stewards of the taxpayers. Money, so I, I think that that's a much needed conversation, and I'm happy to report that it's one that all of our leaders, from the governor, the lieutenant governor, the speaker, the transportation commissioners, everybody's on the same page on on that, and I, I think that uh, we can look forward to having a pretty good conversation about of being good stewards of taxpayers' money and, at the same time, protecting our infrastructure and our system.
2: Yeah, so just looking at at the uh, breakdown in the bill, 109, talking about the infrastructure, the bipartisan infrastructure bill the President signed yesterday, 109 (laughs) billion to roads, bridges, and major projects, but 7.5 billion to electric vehicles, and if I'm not mistaken, that primarily consists of construction of 500,000 charging Charging stations. Charging
20: stations, primarily.
2: And then uh, 66 billion to passenger and freight rail, including a big chunk to Amtrak, which has been losing money for decades. and then public transit to your point 49 billion. So it looks like we're putting just actually more money in those measures, electric vehicles, public transit, freight and passenger rail as we are in roads and bridges. Now, and that's just a federal matter. I mean this is all cooked up at the federal level. But sounds like that's likely to fall short of what our needs are in the country with respect to roads, bridges and and other projects. Sixteen billion for ports and waterways, twenty billion for infrastructure financing, which I don't know exactly what that is, if that's interest
20: cost or what they're talking about there. But Well, um, we're gonna make sure that we use the money wisely and put it to good use for the people of Mississippi.
2: Brad, I, I'm so glad that you're in charge and and uh, stewarding the ship, if you will. I, I think well, you're a good you. man and the right man for the job, and, and uh, we appreciate your service. Thank you. I appreciate that. Brad White, executive director of MDOT, has been our guest. We'll take a break right here. We'll come back with more talk. Chris Green, old Miss professor, will be talking about the vaccine mandate lawsuit. Stay with
19: us.
10: From the SeabrookPaint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint and coating needs, go to SeabrookPaint.com. Today, sunny skies, high near 76. Tonight, mostly clear, low around 56. Wednesday rolls in with mostly sunny conditions, high near 78. Wednesday evening, a slight chance of rain, low around 55. And for your Thursday, a 50-50 shot of showers, mostly cloudy, high near 67. This weather brought to you by No-Drip Roofing and Construction. With rain coming, let us show you what the No-Drip difference is all about. No-Drip Roofing and Construction, online at NoDripMS.com.
19: Ever
2: feel like making an appointment with your doctor takes a lot of time, only to feel rushed through the actual appointment? Avoid the hassle at Capital Ortho, where our board-certified, fellowship-trained orthopedic surgeons are waiting to treat you immediately with one-on-one
17: professional and personal patient care. Both you and your time matter to the staff at Capital Ortho. To schedule your same-day appointment, call 601-987-8200 or visit CapitalOrtho.com. Stop. David
4: Cox here, Omar Financial. Do you have a 401k, RA retirement, or CD coming to- we can help with market-like returns and zero risk. Call David Cox, 957-3841, 957-3841 now.
3: Green Home Solutions is a proud VIP sponsor of The Handyman Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Whether you're a proud DIYer or a seasoned veteran, Buddy Slowick has the answers to your home improvement questions each Saturday from 10 till noon.
16: I'm Andy Davis, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Attorney General Lynn Fitch has joined a coalition of 12 states in filing a lawsuit against the third of what Fitch called President Biden's vastly overreaching vaccine mandates. The mandate published by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services on November 5th would impact 17 million health care workers, forcing them to be vaccinated by January 4th or find a new job. Fitch said for no other reason than the president's desire to check the box on universal universal vaccination these healthcare heroes are being forced to choose between vaccination and their jobs And Friday, the Lee County Sheriff's Department received a tip from the FBI regarding a possible threat to a Lee County church. An investigation revealed an individual made a comment on social media saying that he was planning a mass murder at his church the next Sunday. 20-year-old Ryan Evans of Saltillo has been taken into custody and charged with making a terrorist threat. Bond was set at $100,000. I'm Andy Davis.
0: Tea time.
1: Join us each Sunday at 7:30 a.m. for the Word of Truth here on SuperTalk Mississippi. That's the Word of Truth, each Sunday at 7:30 a.m. on your local SuperTalk Mississippi radio station or online at supertalk.fm.
0: Supertalk.fm. Supertalk.fm. Your one stop for all the news that matters in the Magnolia State. Supertalk.fm. Everything you need to know at your fingertips. Supertalk.fm. Is with Gerard Gibbert. It is awesome. On. on Supertalk Mississippi.
2: Ah, yes, Anne and in Nancy Wilson, Hart. Welcome back, Middays. Gerard and Will in the studio, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music. So, uh, lots of text rolling in on the C Spire text line. We so thank you for joining the conversation. 601-879-4395. Really appreciate Brad uh, coming in there, you know, I, I feel like, Will, to a great extent that a, a vacuum sort of formed at Dot prior to Brad coming on board. And when vacuums form, vacuums of, of communication and information, then all sorts of content, communication, information, data begins to matriculate, but it's not coming from the source. And it, and it appears to be factual, grounded uh, in fact, but often it's not. And that's what happens when the authority, who, which should be the source of such information, is not out in the front. Brad takes a different approach. He's listening and meeting with his team, and he's communicating on behalf of the agency, which is the way it should work. So he's getting ahead of it. And like his discussion about the uh, the standards with respect to the deterioration of asphalt, that there are standards for that, and, th- and those are measured. And, and that's when action is taken uh, to complete repairs. That's the way it should be. It's not random. It's, it's rooted in some degree of engineering fact obviously and and so I, I appreciate him for taking that approach but more importantly just for getting out in front of uh, what often is just rumor and hyperbole that just gets widely distributed and and perceived as fact because there's no alternative there's nothing that is is refuting it so he's doing a good job of that. I just want to point that out. And, and this it is true in this state. Every time the subject of a fuel tax comes up, and I've opposed a fuel tax for quite some time, but every time that subject comes up, there's a big camp that says we absolutely have to raise fuel taxes. We haven't done it since 1987, and our roads and bridges are the worst in the country. And I mean, all kinds of Again, hyperbole, buses full of school children are going to fall off bridges and stuff like that. And then there's the camp that says, you know, if you look at third party analyses and ratings of roads and bridges in these uh, in the 50 states, we, we're not too far off of, of being, you know, better than a good number of them. So what's the truth? I think it's the question. But I, and I thought he handled that well, and I appreciate him coming on talking about that. So, just a little bit of follow up on this whole situation because we may see it again in this session a proposal to raise fuel taxes.
3: Yeah, and it's just unfortunate <clears throat> that it comes at a time when you know gas prices are are going up, and it's he he made a very good point about electric vehicles. The more electric vehicles you see, they're not paying their fair share for the road tax.
2: Right. That's right, because they're not buying gas, and that's also, of course that that is the uh, the premise of this pilot program we've talked about. It is a pilot program of a per mile fee, and, it, and it's all in anticipation per, at the federal level. We're talking about here, folks not not the state. This is a a federal pilot that Pete Buttigieg would be in charge of from from his agency his his department in the administration. And it is a voluntary pilot. They're looking for people in all 50 states to volunteer to uh, use some mechanism, whatever they're going to do. They're, they're, they haven't decided how they will track mileage, how they, they be in the federal government. But track your miles, and you would pay some fee per mile, some price per mile traveled to the federal government. And my understanding is in this pilot, they're actually going to you're, you sign up for it as a volunteer And and they're going to uh, debit your account, whatever account you link to the pilot program, your personal account I'm talking about, and they're going to withdraw from it, and then they're going to refund you. That's the way it's being proposed. And they're looking for volunteers in each of the 50 states to participate, I think at least two individuals in each of the 50 states, plus Puerto Rico. That's in this bipartisan infrastructure bill that just recently passed, I passed yesterday, literally. So, gosh, we'll see where all that goes. Uh, but you, but you know, that's in anticipation for this transition to electric vehicles, where you're not paying a federal mm-hmm. excise tax at the pump because you're not using the pump. Mm-hmm. I just think all that's a little premature. I, there's no question electric vehicles are going to be mainstream. In this country is absolutely in the world that that is that's clear I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing as long as it's practical and affordable and accessible and functional if it's not then it's not time uh, but <clears throat> there's tremendous amount of of technology improvement and innovation occurring with respect to batteries and charging and and efficiency of uh, use of electric power. I mean, it's unbelievable the things that are on the boards. They're just not. They're not yet. They're not fully cooked. Not fully baked. But it's coming. These are just technical problems. And I, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if I didn't have to go buy gas, and I could charge my vehicle at a rate which was considerably less per mile, so to speak, than. Gas, yes. yeah, I'm all over that without losing any functionality. I get mm-hmm. s- same or better performance, and n- not a big range problem, and and all those things that we're used to with respect to convenience of the now, traditional. To car. To me, the
3: the the biggest issue people have is range. They call it range anxiety, is the fact that you can't go that far without having to charge the thing. Yeah, uh, I talked to a friend of mine not too long ago who went to Atlanta. He lives in Mississippi. He has a Tesla that he bought recently, and he had to go to Atlanta for a wedding. And he had to stop somewhere in between. I can't remember where, but he stopped there for about forty-five minutes to charge his vehicle for a little while, which is not convenient. Right, stopping you don't want to stop for forty-five minutes to have to. You know, you think about filling up at a gas station versus charging for 45 minutes. But he got there. He charged his vehicle when he got – and he did the same thing when he came back. So it's not convenient right now. Uh, If you're going even further, it's even worse. If you're going to a rural area, it's even worse than that. But most people don't travel that every day. Right. Um, So there's pros and cons to it. I'm seeing more and more vehicles, electric vehicles on the road. I was in Chickasaw County, my home county, just a few weeks ago, driving through, and I saw two Teslas. I never in a million years would have in Chickasaw thought County, in Chickasaw County, Mississippi, I would see Teslas, but yes, I did. I saw two of them. I see them every. Used to be when you would see an electric vehicle, it's like, "Whoa, there goes a Tesla! How about that?" I see them every day so much that I just another car now. Yeah. And and you're going to see more and more and more of them because these manufacturers are creating more and more and more of them. There's no question about
2: it. And so I think think kind of taking a stand and saying, oh, no, these things are never going to happen. Electric vehicles are not practical, and and we're just not going there, and I'll never have one. I mean, the reality is every single auto manufacturer on the planet is investing heavily in electric and autonomous vehicles and I, I, I don't know that we'll hit the goal of whatever Biden's um, proposal was, 50 percent by 2030, I think is the number that sticks in my head. I don't know if we'll get there, but I, I do think we are going to make a transition, and, and I think there's just a lot of work – I read about it almost on a daily basis – a lot of work being done on improving – all of the objections to owning an electric vehicle. What did you call it? Uh, range anxiety. Range anxiety. There's uh, no question. That's an issue. It's a problem. It's a problem for me. I think it's a problem for most uh, motorists. But that that's going to change. There's yeah, no question it, about it.
3: And it, it's, imp- I mean, in the past 10 years, look where it's gone. I remember when they first introduced the Tesla electric car, and, you know, it was a novelty. It was super expensive. It didn't go very far. You could you could only put two people in it. Uh, didn't have a whole lot of creature comforts. And now look where they are. The F-150 Ford is about to come out with the, they call it the Ford Lightning. It's an electric truck that can charge your house if your power goes out. I mean, the thing is fantastic. Uh, and people are going to line up to buy these things.
2: There's no question. It's, it's coming. These are technical problems. That smart people will figure out. Takes a little time, less than it used to in the old days. The cycle times of these kinds of innovations and inventions is dramatically declined because of tools that are available to address those problems. Just don't force it before it's time. That's the issue.
3: I guarantee you there are people that were riding horses going, I'm never getting in a car. What? Are you crazy? (laughs) That's
2: true. That's true. We'll step aside for a little break right here. We'll come back with more talk. And then after the 12 o'clock break, it's Christopher Green, law professor at Ole Miss. Stay with us.
10: The best made to order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th and Gold Sports Cafe. Homestyle plates full of catfish, shrimp, and rib tips, just to name a few. Eat in or carry out, DoorDash or Grubhub. Call 769-208-8283. Once again, 769-208-8283.
3: Pilium Corporation is a proud sponsor of Ole Miss Sports. Protect and grow your business with Pilium. By improving business practices with technology-driven solutions, Pilium solves problems and creates new opportunities for your company. Learn more at Pilium.com.
12: Lynn, they are. It's a trip hazard and it needs to be fixed. Our foam technology can level those uneven walks without having to lay down any new concrete. Much easier and more affordable. Trey, my wife tripped over one of those and skinned her knee up. She was fortunate. Call Bulldog Construction at 601-853-4242.
10: This is Brent Calloway. Since 1954, Calloway's has been family owned and operated. We're located in Bloodstadt south of Germantown High. Calloway's has everything you need
20: to make your yard and garden beautiful with trees, shrubs, fall-color plants, soils, and mulches. Come see Calloway's beautifully decorated Christmas store. Our entire store turns into a Christmas wonderland with a large selection of permanent Christmas trees, wreaths, garlands,
10: angels, nativities, ornaments, and much more. Calloway's fresh-cut Christmas trees, wreaths, and garlands will arrive a few days before Thanksgiving. Our landscape designers, Clinton Streeter
20: and Corey Castle, can design and install your landscape. Give Callaway's a call to discuss your landscaping needs. Come see Calloway's beautifully decorated, Decorated Christmas store, you will not be disappointed. Bring the family and enjoy the day. Callaway's Bloodstat on Calhoun Station Parkway,
10: south of Germantown High. Callaway's This is a midday agri market report from the Mississippi Agri News Network. I'm Bob Sullender. Smithfield Package Meats Corporation will develop an infectious disease preparedness plan and pay a small fine as part of the settlement with the U.S. Department of Labor following a citation issued to the company for allegedly not protecting its workers from COVID-19 at its Sioux Falls, South Dakota port processing plant. Smithfield was forced to close the plant for 25 days in spring of 2020 in an attempt to contain the spread of COVID-19. By June the 16th, 2020, 1,294 Smithfield workers had tested positive for COVID-19 and four had died, according to OSHA reports. Smithfield will pay a fine of $13,494 and has agreed to assemble a team of company and third party experts to develop a plan it will implement in all of its plants. To put the potential penalty into perspective, farmers and other landowners who violated Clean Water Act, for example, can face potential fines for tens of thousands of dollars per day. For the Mississippi Network, I'm Bob Sullender.
17: Are you a landlord whose renters can't pay due to COVID? Don't evict. Ramp up. Ramp is the Rental Assistance for Mississippians program administered by the Mississippi Home Corporation. If you have tenants who need help paying past due and future rent or utilities where they're currently renting from you, ramp may be just what you both need. So don't evict. Learn more at ms-ramp.com and ramp up now. The formula for success is a simple one. Put strong in, get strong out.
11: That's why cotton growers looking to improve yield potential plant Delta Pine brand cotton, including varieties like DP 2012 B3XF, DP 2020 B3XF, and DP 2038 B3XF. Strong is a legacy all its own. Protect yours with strong cotton from Delta Pine. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.
18: This is Ben Shapiro reminding you to listen to The Ben Shapiro Show weekday nights starting at 9 p.m. here on 97.3 Super Talk Jackson.
0: You know what that means. Middays with Gerard Gibbert.
1: We'll do it live
0: on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Welcome back, everyone. Uh, middays, Gerard and Will East in the studio today. Will in for the vacationing uh, rhino. So uh, some questions rolling in uh, that uh, one that caught my, on the C Spire text line, one that caught my attention, this on the 601 C Spire, casinos and the lottery was supposed to fund roads and bridges. I want to talk about that a second. It's This comes up a lot. Uh, first, casino revenue which is transferred uh, to the state general fund. It is uh, not designated for use of roads and bridges. <clears throat> those, those, it's a gaming tax. Some of it is diverted to the locations where casinos are physically located, physically exist. So that benefits the, the local authorities there. Uh, mainly used for schools uh, because that's what their biggest part of their budget is. And the same thing is true with the, the tax that goes to the uh, the state, the gaming tax. And by the way, it ain't as much as you think it is, folks. It's, uh, when you look at a $6 billion, $6 billion and change general fund budget, I have to look at it, but I think last year maybe $200, 200 million? came from the gaming tax. Uh, so you can do the math on that. That's what, 3.2%, something like that, 3.3 of the total spending. So, it, and, and where is that money spent? Well, keep in mind 50 plus percent of general fund money goes to education. Another big consumer of the general fund is Department of Corrections. And then Medicaid. Actually, Medicaid consumes more The state's portion consumes more than the Department of Corrections. But the three big line items are education, Medicaid, Department of Corrections uh, from the general fund. That's where that money goes. I don't really – I know this comes up a lot. I don't don't remember what politicians – honestly, I'm being honest about this – were saying back when uh, authorizing casinos uh, by the legislature was being discussed. But I see this come up a lot where – where folks say, well, yeah, the politicians told us this would so-called fix our education problems. I don't exactly know what the word fix means and how to define that. Is it true that the casinos generate taxes that go to the state of Mississippi's general fund, more than half of which goes to education? Absolutely. That's true. Is that money being spent in uh, a most efficient manner, that's a different, that is a different question, totally, and, and one that has nothing to do with authorizing casinos and the money generated from it. Let's turn our attention to the lottery. I, I know you guys know I've been involved with the lottery since its inception, since shortly after it was signed into law by Governor Bryant in 2018, appointed to the board, still serve on the board, haven't had a board meeting this morning, as a matter of fact. So the first $80 million of net proceeds generated from the Mississippi Lottery Corporation in a given fiscal year are transferred to the state treasurer, which then goes in accordance with the law to the state highway fund. So again, that's a chunk of money that goes into the Department of Transportation that is then used appropriately. And the excess over that $80 million in a year goes to a special fund known as the Education Enhancement Fund. That, too, is a special fund that is not the general fund. And that special fund was created, I want to say, back in the 90s by the legislature, and it's got very specific details on how money is allocated out of that fund. So since the inception of the Mississippi Lottery Corporation in, in November 2019, about two hundred and sixty plus million. We just had a transfer today. I just saw the the um, press release come across my email. Two sixty, two seventy million dollars, roughly, of net proceeds has been generated that went to the state, and uh, and so as you heard Brad say, I think we've already hit the eighty million dollar mark this fiscal year, or, or certainly close, certainly close to it of the monies that goes to the State Highway Fund, and then that gets spent as all money that goes into the State Highway Fund uh, by the Department of Transportation, by the Transportation Commissioners. There are also lots of information about specific projects with respect to roads and bridges funded by lottery monies. And I've asked the Lottery Corporation to, to do a little bit uh, better and improve, I guess, the communications there. That's That information is buried in the annual reports. It's available, let's put it that way, in the annual reports. Um, but that's, that's the way that works. It has, in fact, done quite a bit uh, for roads and bridges. So, we're going to take a break right here. It is time for Super Talk News and Fox News. And then Christopher Green, law professor at Ole Miss, is going to talk about the appeals court lottery. No pun intended. That's what it's called on federal cases with respect to the vaccine mandates.
14: News. I'm Lillian Wu. The jury in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial has begun deliberations after hearing from the judge.
10: Members
15: of the jury, it
10: is uh, for you uh, to determine whether the defendant is guilty or not guilty of each of the offenses charged. You must make a finding as to each count in the information.
14: Outside the courthouse in Kenosha, Wisconsin, the National Guard on alert for possible protests. This morning, 12 of the 18 jurors were chosen. Rittenhouse himself actually choosing the names out of a wooden tumbler here in Kenosha. The six names he picked are the It will now be on standby. Fox's Alexis McAdams in Kenosha. And officials in southern Louisiana are searching for a woman who bit off part of an officer's ear when he tried to break up a fight between several women in a bar parking lot just after midnight Friday. The injured officer is recovering after being treated at a local medical facility. America's listening to Fox News.
12: As locals, ADS Security is committed to keeping the community safe. We're the same great company, same local office, with the same local service you've counted on for years. Visit us in Gluckstadt. ADS Security, 601-898-3105. Call
15: today.
1: Catch Madison Central Jaguar football right here on Super Talk Jackson 97.3 each Friday night during the season. Brought to you in part by List for Less. Go to buyhomeswithsusan.com.
16: I'm Andy Davis, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Before President Biden signed the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act Monday, he reiterated a promise he's made before regarding how it will be paid for.
11: No one earning less than $400,000 a year will pay a single penny in federal tax. He also highlighted one of the key provisions of the bill. This law is going to start to replace 100% of the nation's lead pipes and service lines. So every American, every child can turn on the faucet and drink
16: clean water. Mississippi Senator Roger Wicker said roads, bridges, broadband, ports, rail, and clean water are the building blocks of a healthy economy. He further stated that this legislation focuses on those core priorities, and he's happy to see it finally signed into law. So what's next? Congress will now tackle Biden's social spending plan. Democrats say they have agreed on a framework to pay for that package and want to see the richest Americans and businesses pay their fair share of taxes. I'm Andy Davis
22: and action our Our favorite restaurants open open again
17: again. i'm so pumped to be back on campus
22: so happy the kids will be back in school what (laughs) stop wait i can't do this life is not back to normal covid is not over i got my shot are you guys even vaccinated the only way to beat this thing is for us all to be vaccinated i mean the variants are deadly so please
15: please please do it today. A message from the Mississippi State Department of Health.
17: Are you a landlord whose renters can't pay due to COVID? Don't evict. Ramp up. Ramp is the rental assistance for Mississippians program administered by the Mississippi Home Corporation. If you have tenants who need help paying past due and future rent or utilities where they're currently renting from you, ramp may be just what you both need. So don't evict. Learn more at ms-ramp.com and ramp up now.
16: Jamie Scott and her sister Gladys were sentenced to two life sentences in the early 90s for their involvement in an armed robbery. WLBT recounts that while neither of the Scott sisters were involved in the crime, officials claim they helped plan it. Jamie and Gladys's sentences were commuted after almost 20 years in prison and they were released, soon becoming advocates. Jamie, the oldest of the two, recently passed away due to complications from COVID-19. She'll be laid to rest Saturday in Pensacola, Florida. And the Mississippi Public Service Commission has charged eight companies with alleged no-call violations. Northern District Commissioner Brandon Presley said an investigation found that these companies made hundreds of illegal calls and could be subject to a combined total of over $5 million in fines. Presley said consumer complaints are taken seriously and no effort is spared in tracking down and prosecuting predatory telemarketers. For Super Tall Mississippi News, I'm Andy Davis.
12: To all the folks in the Capital City metro area, love to have you join me tomorrow morning, 6 till 9, Gallo Show. We'll start your day the informed way. Super Talk Mississippi 97.3.
0: And now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking.
8: That's what I like listening
0: to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Welcome back, everyone. Middays, Gerard and Will in the studio today. Thanks so much for joining us. And joining us now on the line, Christopher Green, law professor at Ole Miss. Professor, how you doing today, sir?
21: Doing well. It's uh it's quite exciting. Uh, I was uh, I was just uh, uh asking some of my appellate litigation specialist friends uh when we can expect this lottery result. And he said, uh whether do it when they do it. <laughs> um so it's uh, it's uh, it's one of the most exciting appellate litigation uh, uh, federal courts days uh, for for that kind of arcana.
2: So, Professor, for the benefit of our audience, can you kind of walk us through this the sequence of events? How we got to where we are? We we had lawsuits filed, right? That uh, we had a, a court of appeals rule on, and then, if I'm not mistaken, there was appeal an appeal to that, right? Which got struck down.
21: Yeah, well, so the way it works, okay. um, when, you, when, the, when an administrative agency like OSHA does something, okay, so we got the Occupational uh, Safety and Health Administration, they come out with this rule for any employer bigger than 100 uh, employees. So everybody's got to get vaccinated or get fired or have some kind of testing regimen. Yeah. And there's two things you can do at that point. One is to file a lawsuit in a trial court. So, uh, there were some lawsuits filed, uh, several states got together in one of the district courts, the federal trial courts in Louisiana, uh, Attorney General Fitch was, was in on that, some other folks, uh, Aaron Rice, uh, uh, with, uh, with, with some, some private parties were, were in on that lawsuit. So that's in a federal trial court, uh, and that's di- challenging both the OSHA mandate and the federal contractor mandate, uh, lots of issues there. Another thing you can do when an agency does something is you can petition straight to a court of appeals. So we have twelve different courts of appeals. Uh, The Fifth Circuit is our our circuit: uh, 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 Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas. And they uh, acted in response to their petition, but there's a procedure if. People, if there's more than one petition for the same administrative rule, and they go to different circuits, they, uh, so they file petitions to review uh, this rule in, in different circuits, basically they wait 10 days to see how many circuits it gets challenged in, and it turns out it was in uh, almost all of them. So uh, uh, the 1st Circuit, the 2nd Circuit, all the way up to the 11th Circuit, The D.C. Circuit also has a petition, Hmm. and uh, there's only one circuit left because it it, uh, only deals with patents and, like, uh, suing the government for money damages the federal circuit. So we got these 12 circuits, and the rule, there's a statute. Um, So if you're looking for music to listen to, you can listen to the Rush song, uh, 2112, because that's the section number, 28 U.S. Code, 2112. (laughs) And it says you, uh, they wait 10 days, see, uh, uh, see how many positions, and then they have a randomly selected uh, process uh, done by the, uh, uh, the MDL, the multi-district litigation panel. And this is purely random. They have special rules that they say they put, they literally put ping-pong balls uh, in a drum, in a wooden drum, and they pick it out, and they're going to tell us which of these circuits uh, uh, they go. So now the Fifth Circuit has already said we think this uh, this rule is probably unconstitutional. Uh, none of the other circuits have acted on it, but I mean, because the Fifth Circuit acted, uh, there there wasn't a whole lot to do. But um, but the uh, Section twenty one twelve explicitly says that when uh, we find out who wins this lottery, uh, that circuit. Uh, can vacate can uh, uh, basically undo a stay that any of the other uh, uh, circuits had done in the meantime. So it's explicit in the statute that this fifth circuit decision is going to be subject to uh, being undone by whatever circuit gets us. And of course after that happens, uh, you you can go uh, to the. US Supreme Court. Um, and this seems, I would think, about as likely as anything uh, uh, to be a, a pretty clear slam dunk for, for uh, the Supreme Court eventually looking at this. Uh, it's possible the lower court will be sufficiently uh, clear in its reasoning. Supreme Court might say, well, we just agree with that. Yeah. But I, I would think the Supreme Court is, is going to look at this uh, before too long.
2: Wow, so it's my understanding professor that that once this lottery is drawn and, and and venue, i guess at that point is established that all future cases also would be heard by that court
21: yeah so they get all so all of the petitions then get transferred all the petitions okay review. Okay. okay, so we've got the lawsuits, so basically you file a lawsuit in a federal trial court uh when you have possible fact finding. So uh, the Fifth Circuit, they're not going to hear witnesses. They're not going to look at. You're not going to have a deposition that you uh, uh, you file at the at the Fifth Circuit or anything like that. So if you need fact finding uh, related to the legality of a petition, you have to do that in the district court. So that litigation can still go on in just all the district courts. Uh, But then all the petitions get consolidated in that one. Uh, lottery winner, mm-hmm. and uh, they'll they'll make the decision, and they'll, so the first thing they'll do is decide whether to uh, uh, stay the uh, the rule, and that immediate decision on the stay would be subject to review at the U.S. Supreme Court. Okay, so we would get, uh, and the Supreme Court doesn't have to say anything about it at that point. But uh, you know, when when whoever, which I, either side uh, uh, goes to the U.S. Supreme Court. If any of the justices want to say what they think about the constitutionality or the consistency with the OSHA statute, uh, they can do that then. Uh, so it's pretty likely, we'll, I would think, uh, here within you know, a few weeks, certainly uh, uh, within the next couple months, um, what the U.S. Supreme Court thinks about it.
19: Hmm.
2: Do you have an opinion on it, Professor, what the likely outcome would be?
21: Well, it's so... There are a number of challenges. So there's I mean one big interesting doctrine which the court has indicated they're interested in in looking at again is something called the non-delegation doctrine.
19: Yep. So this is
21: a doctrine that was used in 1935 to strike down two very big statutes in the New Deal and hasn't been used by the Supreme Court in any other year but the fifth circuit in their opinion from last friday said we think that this is uh has serious doubts about the constitutionality under non-delegation whether congress could do this yeah uh so that would be the biggest most uh for my con law teaching uh perspective most exciting uh or interesting maybe frightening for for people who are worried about administrative uh uh, uh state their administrative state getting struck down as unconstitutional I think it's more likely that what, they, what they'll what they say is, well, such a big question is this. It's not a transfer of legislative power to the executive, but it's such a big question we would expect Congress to be explicit about it, and they haven't been explicit in the OSHA Act, so we're going to construe the statute to say they, they, can't, uh, they can't do it. So that's called the major questions doctrine. I would think that's probably the most likely outcome. Hmm. There are also some uh, just administrative law things you can say, well, they should have had better notice and comment before issuing this rule. They should have been given uh, better uh, uh, answers to counter-arguments. So there's something called Overton Park uh, arbitrary and capricious review. Either of those are a possible way to resolve it. Um, but there's a bunch of hurdles that the administration has to get over. It seems relatively unlikely that they'll get over all of them. What about this uh, grave danger?
2: I'm sorry, what about this grave danger legal standard?
21: Well, it's um so that's some language that they uh that they used in uh um I think the uh yeah the OSHA act has some uh Right, uh, some language like that. The idea is, you know, if you're at a workplace and you've got a, a big buzzsaw that's, you know, unnecessarily dangerous. Uh, you know, think it, if you think of it, the triangle Shirt Waste fire, that kind of of mm-hmm. uh, circumstance where people have blocked exits, they can't get away, of a dangerous situation at work. That's the sort of condition that causes the early 20th century workplace regulation stuff to get passed. So the OSHA is coming in in that kind of environment, and it's not obvious that a, uh, a virus uh, getting spread at work or spread among people uh, who are at work uh, is a perfect fit. One problem with the administration defending it is saying, well, you know, a virus is kind of like a fire, um, is that the rule doesn't make any consideration of, you know, for instance, how many people are in a workplace, how close they are. Yeah. Are they all in their own offices? So I'm right now in my own office, and uh, the, the mask mandate we have at Ole Miss only applies when I step out into the hallway. <laughs> uh, and it would be a very different workplace if I had to, had to wear my mask even when I'm in my office. Um, but you know, in terms of vaccination requirements, there be you know uh, obviously that's not going to uh, change, uh, depending on like you know where you are in the building. Uh, but how you know how likely is it the particular employee is going to, to spread? Uh, uh, professor, uh, spread we got coronavirus a coronavirus. We got work.
2: a break right here. Can you hang with us? We want to talk to you a little bit more about this in the abortion case?
21: Oh sure, yeah. That's 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 coming up too.
2: We'll be right back after the break with Christopher Green, University of Mississippi Law Professor. Stay with us.
3: want.
11: two Mississippi museums, the Museum of Mississippi History and the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum invites you to our Holiday Open House, Saturday, November 20th, and our Christmas by the Candlelight Tour on December 3rd. These events are open to the public and holiday trains begin running on December 1st. Bring the whole family and enjoy these events while visiting. Take a tour of Mississippi history through our two museums located on North Street with free covered parking on North Jefferson Street. Come enjoy the holiday fun at two Mississippi museums
3: the Gallo Radio Show is brought to you in part by TrustCare, where you'll find a team of experienced, knowledgeable, and friendly staff. Visit TrustCareHealth.com to schedule an appointment today. Trust Care. Feel better, faster.
1: Catch Madison Central Jaguar football right here on Super Talk Jackson 97.3 each Friday night during the season. Brought to you in part by Hawsey Insurance. HawseyInsurance.com.
7: This is Allison Callaway. Since 1954, Callaway's has been family-owned and operated. We are located in Gluckstadt, south of Germantown, High. Callaway's has everything you need to make your yard and garden beautiful with trees, shrubs, fall color plants, soils, and mulches. Come see Callaway's beautifully decorated Christmas store. Our entire store turns into a Christmas wonderland with a large selection of permanent Christmas trees, wreaths, garlands, angels, nativities, ornaments, and much more. Callaway's fresh cut Christmas trees, wreaths, and garlands will arrive a few days before Thanksgiving. Our landscape designers Clinton Streeter and Corey Castle can design and install your landscape. Give Callaway's a call to discuss your landscaping needs. Come see Callaway's beautifully decorated Christmas store. You will not be disappointed. Bring the family and enjoy the day. Callaway's Glucksat on Calhoun Station Parkway, south of Germantown High. Everything for home
8: and garden.
12: That's what Callaway's is. We're here with a special invitation to join us weekday morning, six to nine. Breaking news, quick shots, analysis—all right here on Super Talk Jackson, ninety-seven point three. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on on
0: Super Talk Mississippi.
2: everyone, Middays, Gerard and Will in the studio. We've got Christopher Green. He is a law professor at Ole Miss. So, Professor Green, uh, before I ask you about this, these abortion cases, you're probably aware that uh, the state of Mississippi has also joined several other states in suing uh, the Biden administration, I think 12 other states, uh, on vaccine mandates for health care workers. I think specifically that applies to um, healthcare institutions and workers that work for those organizations that also participate in Medicaid and Medicare. So there's really two aspects of the, of the vaccine mandate issued by the president. There, there's that piece for federal contractors, federal work, actually it's federal contractors, and then there's the piece for private employers with more than 100 employees. I think this refers to uh, the former. Right, that this this deals with I guess they're construed as contractors, a healthcare institution that participates in Medicare and Medicaid.
21: That's right. There's so there's there's two different provisions for contractors. One is specifically under Medicaid, uh, which has had kind of a, a, a long uh, long history since uh, since nineteen sixty five, and the other is a much more general federal contractor. So mm-hmm. Ole Miss is subject to the federal contractor. Rule in general, because we have all these, uh, all these, fe- all this federal money that comes in for, for different things. Uh, but the healthcare workers, is specifically with the Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Both of those are being challenged. Um, basically, the the argument is that res- uh, uh, requiring vaccines is not germane to the funding uh, of uh, whatever the activities are. So the uh, the arguments are going to be a little bit different for every individual piece of federal funding. So, you know, for instance, we have we get money from uh uh the uh oh, I don't know, the the uh, uh NOAA, the National yeah. Oceanic uh, Administration. And you know, that doesn't have anything to do with uh with ma- with vaccines. So, uh, the argument that that would be, you know, that a restriction for that contract would be germane uh, is a lot harder to make than, you know, for healthcare workers and having healthcare workers who are constantly exposed to people who are sick. Well, you know, there's obviously uh, a, a different uh, argument for germaneness. But, uh, but, they, but the big precedent uh, uh, in, in both of those cases, I think, is this Infib versus Sebelius case from 2012 when they struck down the Medicaid expansion. They said you can't tell states that it's all or nothing uh, expanded medicaid or no medicaid at all because the threat to cut off the old medicaid doesn't have any purpose other than coercing the acceptance of uh... the additional uh, offer and co- and that's not germane to the original uh... medicaid so it um, it opened up a new uh... A new era of attacks on conditional funding schemes and uh, that's, I think, the basic uh, area of law that uh, that those lawsuits will be considering.
2: Hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see how how all that plays out. So, would would that is that another suit that would that would uh, I guess be heard uh, and come before the court in whatever, <laughs> whichever is decided upon by this lottery
21: so that would not be i think the lottery Okay. Um, i haven't uh i haven't been following all of the the different suits about the contractors but i think most of those have been filed in district courts or maybe all, even all of them uh because there's a need for fact finding
2: okay i got you uh,
21: so because you because you need to find facts you can't just go straight to the appeals court mm-hmm. so the lottery today that's going to be the osha mandate for employers of, uh, all employers whether they've done anything of, uh, related to the federal government or not uh, above hundred employees mm-hmm. uh so that's the thing that the fifth circuit has uh, has put on hold and which uh, we're going to find out uh, at some point in the next few hours what uh what circuit uh, is, is going to take it hmm. um, but a uh yeah fr- uh, uh, uh somebody I know I know on the Twitter uh, who pays a, a lot of attention to uh the composition of the various circuit courts. He, he tweeted out a list of uh, which circuits are uh, most likely to have the OSHA uh, challenges uh, succeed and which going to be least. So uh, he lists the... Uh 5, 6, 8, and 11 as the most likely to be favorable for the challengers. Uh, 1, 4, 9 in D.C. is least favorable. And in the middle, uh, uh, 2, 3, and 7. And I think he probably put the 10th Circuit. 10th mm-hmm. Circuit had a late, uh, was a late entrant. Uh, <laughs> so At one point, they said all the regional ones except 10th. and it's like, oh, we've even got a 10th tenth, tenth Circuit one.
2: So, well, how long well, has it, is this lottery Denver process people? been around? I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, uh, professional. How long has it been around? I mean, has this been used before? I've never heard
3: of this before.
21: So i got to confess, I had never heard of it myself uh, before uh, last week. Um, It has been around since 1988. Uh, Before then, you had uh, essentially a race to the courthouse. So the first people to petition would, uh, the first court to get a petition would be able to hear it. Um, An awful lot of these petitions are heard by the D.C. Circuit. So that's a a, a court that is in D.C., um, you have to have some kind of factual hook uh, to have a, a regulation being being uh, uh, re- uh, made on you in, in that circuit, okay? So if they're doing things in D.C., it's, it's, it's just easier to, to establish that for the D.C. circuit. But also, you're just closest. Uh, you're going to the people who are, are uh, day in, day out, uh, knowing about the regulations that are coming down the pike. You know, it's much, much easier to file those in the D.C. circuit than any of the other ones. Um, uh, So I think they won a bunch of those races before 1988. But they they thought, well, let's have a lottery. Uh, And in general, in the 80s, a a lot of people thought uh, there was too much of the federal administrative apparatus uh, uh, in the D.C. area. It's still a massive, massive amount of it. You go to northern Virginia, my goodness, it's, it's practically a... Fully owned subsidiary of the federal government, uh, huge huge areas, but, uh, and it's always getting bigger, but um, some of the growth of the government has been, uh, has been out in the provinces.
2: Yeah. It's just, uh, I, I even discussed it with a couple of uh, attorneys I worked with and asked them. They'd never heard of it either, so if you have a professor and they have it and you, your profession has it, it, it just made me wonder, when's the last time this ever came up? And what is unique about this situation that requires it?
21: Yeah it, it's it's basically the fact that it's a uh they they try to streamline the process to uh just go straight to the court of appeals uh to have a petition and when you tried to streamline it it produced a uh, a race to the courthouse so yeah. Once they once they had that race to the courthouse uh, uh, phenomenon, they thought, well, let's not just get the input of the D.C. Circuit all the time. Let's let's get the input of these these other uh, these other judges as well. But uh, but I yeah I, I so it's done. It's it's administered by this thing called the Panel on Multi District Litigation, which has been an increasingly important part of federal courts. So I. Uh, I actually decided I've got to add. I'm going to add a page of my notes to my federal courts class, just specifically about the MDLs. Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of attorneys in Mississippi, uh, you may have may have heard of spending a lot of time up in West Virginia because they got a big MDL related to some medical litigation. That uh, there's some people on the coast that I mean do huge numbers of these cases, but they're at the initial stage of, uh, pretrial stuff is being done, handled by a district court in, in West Virginia. So it's like, well, we're going to. We're going to fly up there uh, quite a bit. Mm. And uh, some of the judges say, well, hey, you know, if we could get an MDL here, we could get people to fly down to Mississippi. <laughs> but you got to... That process uh, for the trials is, uh, that's related, there's a bunch of decision-making related to the subject matter. The lottery is like literally just a ping-pong ball. I got you. Uh, but the MDL, they, it's, it's a much more complicated process. And I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to teach my students uh, uh, starting next year uh, much more about that.
2: <laughs> we got a couple of minutes left. All right, so what about, let's turn our attention to these abortion cases of which uh, Mississippi, of course, is front and center as a, as a party, as a plaintiff in that. Well, what do you think?
21: Well, uh, it's—I mean, there was so I was just in DC this last weekend with the uh, the Federal Society group, and there was a lot of buzz. People are wondering about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think people have a lot of information. So, I mean, (laughs) the the Supreme Court itself has uh, historically just uh, been—you know—heroically tight-lipped in terms of—you know—you just don't know anything about what they're what they're thinking. So, you know, one thing we're wondering is how upset are the justices going to be? that the uh that the merits brief that we filed was so much more aggressive than the cert petition yeah.
12: um
21: but uh you know so that's one question that's certainly going to come come at Mississippi out of the box is uh why is your merits brief so much more aggressive and the answer is you know probably going to say, well, you know the court itself uh turned down two of the questions presented and they only Granted, uh, the question presented that was the most general, and you know reevaluating Roe and Casey is, is is encompassed in that. So that's why they they did that. I got that's you. Straightforward way to do it, but it's uh, it's hard to know. But it's uh, just a couple weeks away, so yep. we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll see shortly.
2: We'll keep an eye out on it and uh, hope to get you back to talk about that some more as we get into that and some of this other stuff happening with uh, respect to this lottery. We appreciate you coming on, Professor. It's been a good discussion. Thank you, sir.
21: Enjoyed it.
2: We'll take a break right here, middays, buffing you out with Boston. Stay tuned.
10: From the SeabrookPaint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint and coating needs, go to SeabrookPaint.com. Today, sunny skies, high near 76. Tonight, mostly clear, low around 56. Wednesday rolls in with mostly sunny conditions, high near 78. Wednesday evening, a slight chance of rain, low around 55. And for your Thursday, a 50-50 shot of showers, mostly cloudy, high near 67. This weather forecast has been brought to you by our friends at RJ's Outboard Sales and Service at 1208 Old Fannin Road. RJ's Outboard Sales and Service, your Yamaha Outboard dealer in Brandon.
4: Stop. David Cox here, Omar Financial. Do you have a 401k, IRA, retirement, or CD coming due? We can help with market-like returns and zero risk. Call David Cox, 957-3841, 957-3841
9: now. My great-uncle, John Juniker, started Juniker Jewelry Company right here in Jackson in 1944. He was followed by his nephew, my dad, Ted Ravenstein.
16: Then all his children, including my John, followed him in the business. And I joined Uncle John
9: as a fourth generation here at Juniker's. I'm Corey. I'm John. And I'm Rachel Ravenstein. Inviting you to join our family this season at Juniker Jewelry Company as we celebrate over seven decades as Mississippi's direct Diamond Importer. Today we have ten times the selection of diamonds, engage rings, and fine jewelry you'll find in any other store in the state. All at the guaranteed
16: best price in Mississippi. For your diamond engagement ring. For the ultimate Christmas gift. This holiday, come home
9: to Juniper Jewelry Company. Because love can't wait.
21: juniker Jewelry Company.
0: Mississippi's direct diamond importer. From anywhere in Mississippi, we're at 1485 Highland Colony Parkway, just south of 463 in Madison, and online at JuniperJewelry.com. Juniper jewelry, because love can't wait.
16: I'm Andy Davis, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Before President Biden signed the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act Monday, he reiterated a promise he's made before regarding how it will be paid for.
11: No one earning less than $400,000
16: a year will pay a single penny in federal tax. He also highlighted one of the key provisions of the bill.
11: This law is going to start to replace 100% of the nation's lead pipes and service lines. So every American, every child can turn on the faucet
16: and drink clean water. Mississippi Senator Roger Wicker said roads, bridges, broadband, ports, rail, and clean water are the building blocks of a healthy economy. He further stated that this legislation focuses on those core priorities, and he's happy to see it finally signed into law. So what's next? Congress will now tackle Biden's social spending plan. Democrats say they have agreed on a framework to pay for that package and want to see the richest Americans and businesses pay their fair share of taxes. I'm Andy Davis.
15: When it comes to your business IT solutions, smarter is better. Meet the authority from CSpire. Our team of super specialized engineers partner with businesses of all sizes, taking on their toughest IT challenges while finding new opportunities connectivity, data security, cloud services, you name the tech, we have a specialist for it. C Spire Business. Win with authority. Your partners in IT. Get connected to the fastest internet speeds available. Visit cspire.com business.
12: Hello here. Look, we all know this. Increasing your ACT score could save you thousands of dollars in college tuition. The Jumpstart Test Prep online review has helped thousands of students improve their scores and they can help you too. Jumpstarttestprep.com reviews all the must-know contents and provides the tips, the strategies, and timed practices you need. Purchase the entire review or just the subjects you need the most help with at JumpstartTestPrep.com. Use promo code JUMP, J-U-M-P at the checkout to save 30% on your purchase. JumpstartTestPrep.com
0: You know what that means. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. We'll
1: do it
0: live on Super Talk, Mississippi.
2: Thank you so much for joining us on Midday Super Talk, Mississippi. Little CSN. Long time gone. Appreciate that on the all-hit request
3: line there. So is it CSN or CSNY?
2: I believe that one was CSN, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think that was uh, did not include Neil Young. That particular song. And I think that, in, if I'm not mistaken, that entire album, was uh, produced by CSN, performed by CSN, not CSNY.
3: That was always kind of a weird deal.
2: Well, Neil was not always with them. That's the (laughs) bottom line. (laughs) It's
3: like you got Fleetwood, but you don't have Mac.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So pretty sure that was just Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, So... um, so on the C ceasefire text line, Ron in Columbus writes. So I guess the government is going to buy individuals a car they can't afford. That they can't afford. I think that's what he says. If I'm reading that correctly. Well, it is true that there is a, a automobile electric vehicle tax credit that is currently available, seventy five hundred bucks. It's going to go to twelve thousand five hundred as part of this plan from uh, coming from the Biden administration. Yeah, so again the point is we're just in the infancy of this whole electric vehicle deal. So think about think about this as being the bag phone era of cell phones. That's where we are with respect to EVs. You we're see in the them bag occasionally,
3: phone. but they're not Yeah. It's not everyone that you see.
2: And they're not functional, not practical for everyone, but it's coming. Another interesting question was whether or not you'd have to pay for the public charging stations. Best I can tell, you won't. Best I can tell. But I couldn't find anything really specific to that. It just is constantly referred to as public. Charging station. So I, I gathered from that, and the amount of money we're dumping in that. Of course, that's not permanent to pay for that. But I don't hmm. think they're going to be. My understanding is these public charging stations, some five hundred thousand that would be installed. It is my understanding there there won't be like a card, a credit card reader built into them to pay hmm. for the electricity. That's my understanding. I could be wrong. If somebody knows better, please let us know the best I could uh, tell from researching that, that's the case. But again, remember, the goal is to get you into EVs and to make that as painless and cost-effective as possible in the name of saving the planet, even though the friendly California commie (laughs) on the C-Spire Tax Line says that we're too smart to dismiss climate change. And it's not climate change that we're dismissing. It's the continuous and legacy of lies about it it's just been lies how many times have we heard the armageddon scenario predicted over and over and over again and not one damn time has any of that ever come to pass
3: not one and the hypocrisy of it too john Kerry telling you to you know you got to do this this and this if you want to save the planet and then he's jetting around not just for work but for per- you know, when he went to Obama's fiftieth birthday party or whatever right. it was, sixtieth, whatever, whichever one it was, he took a private jet.
2: Yeah, and and li- have multiple houses. It's Al Gore and his 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 kingdom of houses and his private jets. And but then lecturing us and scolding us and and. Uh, basically, putting their fingers in our eyes and saying, "You got to quit using all those fossil fuels yeah. hey, look it 's the same deal with the whole mask deal, right the mask mandates and the and all the various covid protective measures it's it 's not so much that it 's largely believed that those are of no value it 's just that you would get a lot more cooperation if you put them into practice other than when the camera is right on you and you 're doing it totally to virtue signal." And send some some message of superiority, but yet when you're out of the out of the view of the camera, or at least you think you are, then uh, you, your mask is off. All bets are off at that point. So nobody takes uh, seriously any of that crap. That's the bottom line. And the same is true with respect to climate change. And the other thing is, it's is there just broad consensus yet about the impact? Man has having on the climate. I still just scratch my head and say I'm not sure. Honestly, it uh, it seems plausible, but then you can't get broad consensus on that. There there are scientists and meteorologists who say that's just horse hockey, and then there are those who've been telling us 20 years the planet's going to disappear in 10 years. So it, it's it, when you when you sort of take it to that extreme level of hyperbole and doom and gloom, catastrophic prediction, and it doesn't come to pass, you don't get taken seriously. You're just chicken little, the sky's falling. It's just simple as that. So speak to us about with facts. Give us something that makes sense, something we could sink our teeth into and go to the bank with. You've not done that yet. And let's face it, the United States, is, this is proven. I mean, this is just fact. We've reduced our carbon emissions dramatically. Certainly way more than the rest of the civilized world, the Western world. But then you get over into China and India. And by the way, India is now requesting of of the climate people, the worldwide climate people, uh, they're, they're requesting of them to relax some of the air quality standards in their country so they can burn more coal due to the cost of all these uh, so-called green sources? That just happened like within the last couple of weeks. I, I read a report about that. So they have this big C-26 summit or whatever it's called. And nothing gets accomplished. And the biggest offenders are those nations that just thumb their nose at this whole deal. And and Biden has his, his meeting, his meeting, his uh, video meeting with uh, Jinping, and they get nothing accomplished. He just looks weak, weak, weak. Nothing. Jinping's just laughing at him. That's that's my perception of it, at least. So, uh, again, that's why you can't get people to to take this sort of stuff seriously. Uh, so, I guess the caveman's fire caused the ice age climate from Ron and Columbus. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just a lot of things to, I guess, consume and absorb with respect to that. Larry and Jackson said, so who pays? Again, that's assuming that this charging is free. Larry, I would assume then that those are going to be owned and operated by the federal government. They'll absorb the cost of the electricity to to power them. Uh, that's my take on it. Yeah. I, again, I could, I'm confessing I can't find any details on that. And I looked, so I could be wrong. Maybe it is a, a pay-for-charge deal. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, th- does not Tesla provide for Tesla's charging
3: stations yes. that they don't charge
2: you for? Is that correct?
3: Uh, they have monthly deals. Okay, they you can have, subscribe. It's, it's different okay. different ways to pay. Uh, there's one in Pearl, Mississippi, a supercharger in Pearl. There's a couple others. I've seen it. Uh, and there's other, there's independent charging stations. Uh, you see them at gas stations. Uh, I was at Sam's in North Mississippi uh, over the weekend, and they had one there. Okay, uh, so, so you subscribe. So you, you are paying. You can subscribe. Okay. There's different ones. You can pay as you go, or you can subscribe. And
2: maybe that's what the federal government plans. Honestly, I don't know. I'm just yeah. saying I, I don't know. Because I if just the federal
3: government it. gives it away for free, you're yeah. going to put all those other ones out of business.
2: I agree. Uh, the pay for it. Yeah. charging. I, so, I don't know. Could be wrong. I just can't find any details. I know I've, I'm repeating myself. And they might not have
3: come up with the
2: details Well, that wouldn't be surprising. I, I just want to be clear uh, on that. The climate has been changing since the dawn of time. The more you know about it, the less you fall for these climate activists. I, I hear you. You know, I, I've said before that uh, in, in my uh, amateur meteorological opinion, some days are just hotter than others. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. Some days are colder than others. Uh, again, I, I it just seems to to uh, be common sense that spewing all kinds of smudge and smut into the air is not good. Yeah. I, I but gosh, have we ever addressed that significantly in this country? Mainly in the form of much more fuel efficient and cleaner burning in emitting vehicles, which is where a lot of... I mean, I just remember well, as a kid seeing these photos of the clouds in Los Angeles. You just don't see that as much anymore.
3: You don't. I was in out of the country uh, a couple months ago, and the, uh, where we were, people would heat their water with solar panels. Yeah. Uh, that was very common there. Now, they don't have tornadoes like we do here, and, uh, you know, you... And it's also an issue. They have an issue with small island. They have an issue with electricity. Yeah. So they kind of have to do that. Makes Um, sense. But they've been doing it for... 10 years now, 15 years now. I, I, I just say again,
2: these are technical problems that can be and will be resolved. There's a question here, how will folks parking on streets in New York City, San Francisco, etc. how are they going to charge their vehicles? First, they, there is a, a plan to put charging stations there. Secondly, it's just like going to gas station. You just got to plan your trips around. When do I got to go get gas to make sure I can get to where I'm going and get away and get more gas? Same deal. That's the idea. We'll step aside for a break right here. We'll come back. We got a little more talk. I got some info on this gaming revenue in Mississippi as well. Stay with us.
11: Buying for a business? Let Batteries Plus be your partner. Whether you have one location or many, you'll find solutions for all of your battery, lighting, phone, and tablet repair needs, plus volume discounts and more. Sign up for a free business account at BatteriesPlus.com slash business. Batteries Plus. Last year was a very tough year for the restaurant business, but our family of restaurants want to say to you
18: thank
7: you. From Salamukies Jackson, thank, thank you. you. Thank you
14: for always coming back. Thank you from all of us at bravo thank,
18: thank you so you much. much.
8: From Brown Street Bakery, we thank you. Thank you for your support.
11: Another way we can say thank you is our annual gift card sale. Buy three, get one free, and ten percent we give to charity. You can buy them at the restaurants or online.
22: liarsms.com. This is Jake Mangum for Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance. One of the most underrated attributes in baseball is determination. It's one thing to want to do something and another altogether to get it done. That's why I love the team at Farm Bureau. They get the job done every single time. If you aren't already on the team, it's time to join Farm Bureau. Visit faberates.com for great rates on home and auto insurance. Or find a local agent at msfbins.com. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team. Before the action begins, make sure your bets are
12: in. Every hit. This ball is crushed. Every point.
6: Sportsbook at Golden Moon Casino revolutionizes the fan experience. On your phone, casino kiosk, at the Timeout Lounge. Don't just be a fan. Be a player. Be a winner. Get the Sportsbook at Golden Moon Casino. We're not just fans. We're here to play.
0: Arm yourself with everything you need to take on your day. Wake up with Gallo tomorrow on 97.3 FM. Super Talk Mississippi. Check it out. Let's do this. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert.
8: Let's get on
0: with it. On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: We are back on midday Super Talk Mississippi. We thank you so much for joining us. I just want to circle back, as Jen Saki says, on the gaming revenue. Um, I, I kind of talked about some numbers from memory. It uh, did take a couple of minutes to look that up. So, in fiscal year 2021, the, uh, the total gaming revenue to the state. Was two hundred and eighty-three million dollars. I said two fifty. I'm I'm a couple years behind, and the transfer to, to local governments, in accordance with the law, of that two eighty-three was ninety-three million. So you can do the math there. What one hundred ninety million to the state, and, and that's certainly a significant amount of money. But in a general fund budget of six point six billion, that's what three percent of it. Um, so, uh, that's the story there. In in prior years, looking at 20, let's see, this would be 2020, the total was $215, 215 million. This year is off to quite the bang, because we all got shut down, now everybody's out, and the federal government dropped a bunch of money in everybody's account. And I think um, a lot of folks did... Uh, participate in gaming, engage in gaming at the casinos and so forth. So for the first through September, first three months of the fiscal year, July, August, and September, total gaming revenues, $80 million. So if we stay on that run rate, that would be, you can do the math, $320 million uh, to the state of which... There's a carve-out for the uh, to local governments. I think it's 3% of the total, if I'm not mistaken, goes to local. And, you know, even though a lot of people say, well, the politicians told us that if we pass this, this would so-called fix all of our problems. I don't remember that, honestly. I, I, I do think that it was it was proposed as, as a way to boost our economy, is to produce revenue for the state, so-called fix all our problems. That, the problems are much bigger than... Casino gaming can solve, uh, I would say. And it depends on what people consider to be the problems. You know, how do you, everybody has kind of different priorities along those lines. But you certainly can't deny the economic impact casinos have had, certainly on our Gulf Coast. I'm not, it's just totally different uh, without, I think, casino gaming. it, It is a bright spot economically for the state of Mississippi. And, and you can't just think in terms of the amount of money that the gaming tax produces, but all of the other adjacent economic effects from the investments made uh, to erect casinos along the coast are monumental in nature. I don't, I don't even know. I'm sure somebody's measured it. I'm not sure uh, what their methodology was for that. But it's, it's at least worth talking about. So that's kind of the story there. So a, a good year in on tap. And then from a lottery perspective, we just crossed a billion dollars of sales mark, uh, a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, I think. And, uh, again, total monies transferred to the state since inception in November 2019, About literally about two years ago from today, $270 million total. So, uh, you know, those are just chunks of money that uh, otherwise you could argue wouldn't be there without those programs without those systems I also wanted to go back to something that was said um, early on in the show will 1030 came in from a, a, a listener that says uh, that um, we uh, they say they knew who we were pulling for in the Rittenhouse trial we ain't pulling for anybody I just want to clarify this listener says anything to do with black people y'all are against what if I, I would have gotten my gun and went and killed two or three people when they stormed the Capitol? Think I would have gotten off on self-defense, but y'all also think the three white guys in Georgia got a self-defense case also? Nope. Once a racist, always a racist, and y'all are racist. So I take exception to that. I don't consider myself a racist. I don't think Will does either. I don't think anybody in this in this uh, company that I know of is. and. I'm not pulling for anybody. You know what I'm pulling for? The law. I'm pulling for the dang law. I don't care what the color of the skin is of the defendants and the plaintiffs and and all the parties involved. I just want justice to be served and the law to be followed. It's just as simple as that. So I take exception to that. Um, I appreciate the listener for uh, sharing his feelings and his opinion or her opinion. I'm not sure. My opinion is, we're not racist here. We are for the law. Amen to that. We thank you so much for joining us today. It's been, uh, gosh, it's gone by in a hurry. But be back in the studio tomorrow, will we? I think Rhino's back, right? We look forward to uh, the program then. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone.
8: Courtesy.